Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Bad time for all these people and it's always a good hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 this is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. And a very, very good morning to you. It's Good Friday. I hope you f- we find you well. This is uh, Paul Byrne in until midday, filling in for PJ. If you've got something to talk to us, talk to us now at uh, 0833 96 96 96. And you can contact us at opinion.ie. Now, last week, uh, PJ, or a few weeks back, in fact, PJ spoke to Ariana Dunn, who was uh, had an incredible year, I suppose, travelling solo around Europe. Now, she's back in Ireland and she's decided to take on the 32 counties and will be documenting her travels in the Irish Country magazine. This weekend, Ariana is in Cork and she wants to throw it over to you, the listener, to plan her trip. So what I'm asking you right now is to tell us where she should go and why. Okay? And remember, she could take your advice. Your advice then could end up in the Irish Country Magazine. Where should she go and why? You can text us at 083 396 96 96. Now, also last week, PJ spoke to a lady from West Cork who was billed €2,500 when she called the fire service to deal with a gorse fire near her home. Subsequently, she fought fire with fire and uh, the council backed down and she didn't have to pay. However, she's not alone. Leo Balger, good morning. Paul, how are you doing? I'm very good. You're in West Cork. There was a fire uh, close to... Uh, Leo, you have a radio in the background there, I think, have you? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. There, was a, there was a fire close to your own home in West Cork recently. Tell us what happened. Um, well, we had multiple fires here. Uh, this was the worst fire season we've had so far um, yeah and look they, they, they just got completely out of hand so uh, yeah we spent a, a couple of evenings fighting the fires ourselves there were fire brigades out all over the peninsulas 
Um, yeah, and like I say, when you see it kind of heading towards your property, it kind of uh, it spurs you into action. So yeah, we we spent a couple of nights fighting fires, and um, yeah, I got a bill for my troubles from the county council. So uh, you spent a, quite a considerable amount of time out fighting this fire. A bill lands through your post box. How much was that bill for? It was for six thousand one hundred and sixteen euros. Give us that again. I believe six thousand one hundred and sixteen euros. Six thousand one hundred and sixteen euro. Uh, yes. Explain what do they tell you that you were purchasing a fire brigade? <laughs> if only no. Uh, it's for two callouts for um, a skull fire brigade and a, a banshee fire brigade. Um, they were here for. I, I I had actually come down from the mountain that morning about five o'clock. We had been up there all night, chased the fire. We thought over the mountain, but when we, when we left, it spent a couple of hours coming back down. And uh, yeah, my wife called me. She woke me about half eight in the morning to say, "Look, the fire is, is coming back down the hill." And I took a look, and I could see a fire brigade up there. And to be honest, I I was exhausted at that stage, so uh, I didn't go back up. But uh, they they spent two or three hours up there and uh, put it back out. And that was the fire I was billed for. But the, the, the property where the fire was, it wasn't your property or anything like that. It was um, state property, we'll believe, is it? Uh, it would be what we would call commonage here. So it's mountain and mountain top. But um, look, it came within, you know, four or five hundred yards of our own boundary. Um, it came back. It, it actually came down to a forest uh, owned by a neighbour. And uh, luckily, like I, I actually thought that night that his forest was going to burn. But um, there wasn't enough leaf litter under the trees. So when the fire got to it, it actually started to go out. That's what put the fire out that evening, was the forest. So uh, how, how, how close did it come to your home? Um, well, to my home now. Look, I'm standing here looking at the, still looking at the black mountain around me. Like we live in a valley, so we're we're kind of surrounded by the the, the mountain and the wildland, which is all tinder. You know, it all burns if you put a match to it. So it can come to us from any direction. So once you see it come over the top of the hill, you know you you have to act. Okay, the fire was extinguished and you're landed with that bill for €6,116. What did you think to yourself? What did you say? <laughs> well, look, to be honest, once it kind of suck it, sunk in, I, I kind of realised, look, I, I hadn't called the fire brigade. I hadn't started a fire and it wasn't on my land. So to my mind, I couldn't be liable for that, you know, with all reasonable kind of uh, ways of looking at a thing. I couldn't be liable. So I called the uh, council yesterday and uh, I'm putting it in. I have to put it in writing, the uh, chain of events, and they said they would uh, investigate the matter. But uh, look, I'm I'm hoping the council will look at it favourably. I feel that they will. Um, but look, I, I fight it all the way anyway, you know. I just don't feel I'm liable for that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounds a bit Irish, to be honest with you. You know, you call the fire brigade, you save a, 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 a vast area from being destroyed and you're billed for what you would was basically a good deed. Well, I suppose, yes, <laughs> that's, that's one way of looking at it, all right. Um, you know... We, we suffer from this problem every year down here. So, you know, it, it was kind of particularly bad. Like, 
this year, like I say. And um, it's not even so much the bill that kind of upsets me. It's it's the loss of habitat down here, you know, mm. and the fear that, that, that it puts into people. You know, I dread burning season. I absolutely dread it down here. And um, like I said to somebody yesterday, how can we be in a country where between two certain dates you can set the place on fire? It just doesn't make sense to me, you know. And uh, I, I can't imagine what the cost of these fires to the exchequer is, you know. The tax, uh, the taxpayer is actually paying, is picking up the tabs for these things. And not to mind on the farms where these things cross from time to time, you're losing water pipes and you're losing fencing, which are all expensive to, to replace and, and take time, you know. Uh, so, and and, and yeah. was, has much damage been done? I mean, was there a lot of damage? Uh, well, uh, what I consider damage is the habitat because yeah. these are the last wild habitats that we have left, you know, and, and the little creatures can't escape from these places in fires that are so big. But, uh, you know, as you're up on the mountains, you, you watch the fence posts burning. No, I mean, to, to somebody that mightn't seem like much of a thing, but when you have to access these places to re- re-fence or repair these fences, it's, like I say, it's time-consuming, it's hard work, and it costs money. Leo, can I ask you, if there was a fire again near your place, and we'll say for argument's sake it was going in the other direction, would you... Call the fire brigade again, even though you're you're fighting this bill now at the moment. Would you be slow to call them? Um, would I be slow to call them? I'd probably, I'd have to think about it. I'd certainly have to think about it. Um, look, I guess if it's not on my land, well, look, if it is on your land, you're going to have to call them anyway, because you're going to need the help. Um, and if it's not, well... From what I've heard since, then I won't be I won't be billed if I call to say uh, there's a problem on somebody else's land, you know, and it's heading west or it's heading east. Then that's uh, that's not my concern, you know. So I do think I can report a fire like that without consequence. All right, and here we are today, Good Friday, uh, six thousand one hundred and sixteen euro. That's what you're faced with. What are you going to say to the council now? How are you going to fight? How are you going to fight this? All I can do is explain the the, the chain of events, really, and uh, see what they have to say. Look, I'll take it slowly. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't want to take on the council in any way. You know. Um, nor do I. Um, yeah, I don't really want to be upsetting farmers either by uh, kind of. Uh, you know, condemning the practice, but um, you know, uh, at this stage, like I say, I'm just so sick and tired of burning season now, and I'm sure it will make no difference whatsoever. And like I, I put it to you as well that I would say, from if you went uh, from Skull to Ballydehob or from Ballydehob to Doris out to the Mizzen, there might be there might be twelve individuals who still light these kind of fires, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, it's not it's not a, a systemic problem with farmers or anything like that. Most of the farmers, all my neighbours here are very responsible farmers. They wouldn't consider lighting fires like that. Very good. So, like, it's just a throwback, you know. It's a throwback to, to, to an old way of doing things. And, uh, yeah, we have to stop, and I'll be talking to the county council about that as well, you know. I hear in the background some birds chirping, or do I hear some hens uh, clucking as well, do I? Yeah, no, I, I, have a, I have a few pheasants that arrive here in the mornings for feeding, and uh, they're they're fighting at this time of year for the, the ladies' attention. So, uh, yeah, I have a great few every morning of it. It must be beautiful to wake up to something like that every morning, no matter what the weather. West Cork is always gorgeous, yes. isn't it? 
It is, it is. And I feel very privileged every day. How long are you down there, Leo? Uh, we're here nearly 30 years now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm nearly a native. Still a blow-in, <laughs> but nearly a native. <laughs> what, what's the attraction in um, West Cork for you? What, what attracted you to it? Uh, sure, I suppose. Look, I did have family down here at the time. So, yeah, we came down and I, I was involved in fish farming for a good while. And uh, sure, we get, we kind of move from business to business. And now I'm involved with my own. My daughter has a, a restaurant down in Bally the Hob. So, uh, yeah, we're involved in that as a family and keeps us all busy. So, yeah. Well, you say you were, you were kept busy, but is life, does it move at a slower pace in West Cork than anywhere else? Is it nice and relaxed always? <laughs> you would think so. I don't think it's some days, but uh, yes, for sure it is. It's it's definitely different, you know. And um, I suppose the lack of population is um, it it, ha- it cuts both ways, you know. That's a lack of customers in a restaurant or a shop. But uh, yeah, we don't suffer from the congestion. If I meet a car on the way to work, that's rush hour, you know. So. Uh, <laughs> That's fabulous, fabulous. All right. Leo, listen, thanks for talking to us and let us know how you get on with the council. If you're, um, if, if they scrap the bill, you might let us know or if you're still forced to pay it, you might let us know either way, will you please? I will to be sure, absolutely. All right. Happy Easter to everyone down in uh, Skull and East Cork, or West Cork in general. Leo Bolger, thanks for taking the call. No bother, Tom. You're very welcome. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day. You make me feel Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96fm.ie for more. 96fm.ie for more. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make me feel Only on Cork's 96fm. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the opinion. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Good Friday on Cork's 96 FM and this is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ until midday. Now of course the, the long weekend, this is Easter and lots and lots of people uh, packing their suitcases and heading off for the long weekend, both here and also heading overseas. Yesterday however we were contacted by one mum who was looking to book a hotel room here for herself her husband and two children in Cork she was quoted almost 800 euro for one night that's a couple, they're two children, one night, 800 euro, city centre hotel, and that didn't include breakfast. Now, Tom Randalls is owner of the fabulous Randalls Hotel in Killarney. And Tom, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Tom, I suppose you're sick and tired of people quoting prices, uh, Cork, Kerry, Donegal, Waterford, Wexford, compared to Spain, Portugal and the likes. You, You must be sick and tired of that, really, are you? Well, you know, look, that's always been the way. You always hear these these stories about how much a beer costs in Spain versus mm-hmm. how much am I paying for a beer here. And, you know, I, I do think overall the Irish public are a fairly smart traveller and they do appreciate 
that there's differences, you know, and often the story that when you get it really cheap somewhere else, it's an apart hotel. And maybe when it's really comes across being really expensive in Ireland, it's a suite and a five star hotel. So I think you have to compare like for like. But, you know, but look, I think it's important uh, to talk about it. It's important to teach people how to shop around and get best value for money. And what is the best way? I know because I know from past experience, if you book through, say, booking.com, but if I ring you today, I'll get a better price. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a few ways. If you go onto any hotel website, you know, most hotels will have two things on the front page of their website. They'll have a best value guarantee and they will have special offers. So the best value guarantee generally states that if if you book, if you find a rate somewhere else, that the hotel will match that rate or even better it for you. So that's that's the first point. Secondly, uh, special offers. Go into the special offers and oftentimes you'll get things like free breakfasts. Uh, you'll get a better rate for two nights. You'll get a better rate for three nights. If you pay in advance, you can get a better price. So, um, so that there's lots of ways to, you know, to get money, to, to get good value. But I think you, you have to look for it a little bit, you know. And again, like you also, if, if people are booking through um, a booking agent, you then have to pay a percentage to that booking agent, don't you? Would like You'd rather, if I pick up the phone and book directly through the hotel, you can give me that discount rather than paying the, the booking agent. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated. I suppose there's a lot of book. There, there's some very good booking agents out there. I, I would, you know, ExpediaBookings.com are two very good ones because they deal directly with the hotel. So you are contracting. You know, there's only one person between between the booker and the hotel. But there's other websites out there where you will book. And so this is particularly maybe if you're booking a hotel abroad that you might book with SpainHotels.com. Spain Hotels books with Andalusia Hotels.com, Andalusia Hotels books with Malaga.com. So there's two to three to four people in between. And oftentimes when it comes to when you arrive in the hotel and the book it was actually for tomorrow was for yesterday, you can't get anybody. Mm-hmm. So booking agencies, booking uh, websites are not necessarily bad, but just be careful what you're doing. I suppose the point you're talking about there is if somebody does book with bookings.com is that there's a commission paid to bookings.com. So as a hotelier, instead of me giving um, 20 or 40 euros to bookings.com, I would much prefer give it to a guest in a form of a complimentary upgrade or a complimentary breakfast or a discount, something like that. So that's where, again, you'll see hotels by booking direct, they give um, best rate guarantees. So it's, it is always best to book directly with the hotel. And then if it comes to you that you need to cancel, cancel things like that, often you're better off dealing with the hotel directly. I suppose lots and lots of people, we, all right, we, we'll see a price, say for argument's sake, 500 quid for a weekend in Donegal, 450, 550 quid for a weekend in Salou. But people must realise your overheads in this day and age, they're, they're, they're frightening, Tom, really, aren't they? Well, you know, look, I, I'm not here to, to start moaning about overheads or anything like that, you know what I mean? But what I would say to people, you know, compare like for like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I Again, often cases, you, you book that hotel in Salou or somewhere like that, it's actually, it's a part hotel, you're not getting daily housekeeping, you're not getting breakfast, you might find you have to pay for a resort fee, there's all these extra add-ons, you know, so again, compare like for like, you know what I mean? But I mean, there is very good value to be had in Ireland. I just had a quick look there. And if you look at Killarney for tomorrow night, and that's an Easter bank holiday Saturday, so one of the busiest nights mm-hmm. of the year, you can book a three-star hotel for 169 and a four-star hotel for 179 I'm not saying that that's cheap, 
But, you know, that is one of the busiest Saturdays of the year. I had a quick look at July. You can get a, a three-star hotel for 139 and a four-star hotel for 189 So, again, book in advance. There is value there. But you have to shop around. And I often can't understand why somebody books a hotel at a rate they're not happy with. And, you know, you're not going to be happy with that hotel from the moment you arrive. If the rate is too much from the moment you arrive, you shouldn't book it. Shop around. You know, do you have to stay in a town centre? Can you stay one or two miles out? There's other locations. You know, do you have to stay in that town? Can you stay in another town? If you look at lovely West Cork, do I need to stay in Clallacilty? Or will I get a better rate if I stay in Ross Carberry? You know, so there are options. Is Ireland good value for money? Well, the research that's currently showing Fault Ireland, Tourism Ireland research, is showing that uh, last year that there is value for money out there and that overall across the board guests are happy with the value that they're getting. I suppose there has been some instances of, of what I would certainly agree is bad value for money, but oftentimes that at the last room that is sold in a hotel, you know, and it, it does get hyped up. But, you know, again, don't, you know, if you're not getting value for money, don't book it is what I'd say to mm-hmm. people. I, I can't understand how people can book something that they're unhappy with in advance of arriving, you know what I mean? I think, but there are options. Book around, look for special offers, you know, look on the website um, and shop around. And if you don't like the price of that hotel, look at another hotel. I know they mentioned that figure of 800 quid a while ago, but uh, we also had a, a look around from Cork City, some some other hotels, 450 to 500, two adults and two kids. So there, there are good offers out there. Look, I believe there are, you know what I mean? And if you are going to look, I don't know what's on in Cork this weekend, you know, Cork probably needs more hotels. There, there are certain situations where there's a supply issue. Do you need to stay in Cork City Centre? Can you stay outside of Cork? Do you have a car? Um, you know, you know, and if it's if the price in Cork doesn't suit you, look at somewhere like Wexford or Killarney or you know all the lovely towns up and down the country, up and down the wide Atlantic way. Can I ask you about this nine o'clock rule where children have to leave the restaurant or leave the bar at nine o'clock during the summertime? Is that um, a hindrance for trade? Uh, um, You know, uh, that is a a law that was brought in a number of years ago. um, And I I think there's a lot of situations where it's not suitable for a child to be in a restaurant or a bar after nine o'clock. Let's, you know, you talk about a busy city centre bar or something like that. But I mean, then there's also a lot of family hotels that don't necessarily apply that rule but but i mean there are situations when it is not appropriate for a child to be in a bar beyond nine o'clock so that law does does allow common sense to prevail as i say in our situation you know if it's an appropriate time and it's 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 it's, it's family appropriate we don't have a problem with it um but do, again do you, you do know you, yourself do you, do you, like we'll say for agnes sake, you have a ballot group there tonight and you know mum and dad and the kids are having a great time and you know everybody is just in good form there's nobody falling around the place from drink or anything like do you turn a blind eye to that law then well you know for the we, sake of the family and for we the sake would of use co- we would use common sense in all situations you know Again, if it's family appropriate for for children to be in a bar a little bit longer, we would apply common sense, let people have an enjoyable evening, you know. But again, there's certain bars where that's just not appropriate, where, you know, and if a parent is not going to use their common sense, Mm -hmm. there's times for a publican or a restaurateur where they have to, you know, enforce common sense. So I think uh, uh, I, I I don't see this being a problem. I think common sense prevails. Will there be availability uh, throughout Killarney, throughout Kerry in general uh, this summer? Yeah, you know, I, I had a quick look through there. I mean, again, if you book now, absolutely there is. It is 
August is always a busy time. July is always a big, busy time. I mean, I suppose a town like Killarney, there's a lot of hotels. There's over 10,000 beds available on any given night, um, which keeps, you know, which does make availability is, is prevalent. So, yes, I think there will be. But again, the sooner you book, you know, and, and bear in mind with hotel as opposed to oftentimes if you go to that hotel in Spain, that apartment hotel, that, you know, if you book a hotel today, you can book a hotel today and you can cancel 48 hours beforehand if for whatever reason it doesn't suit. Again, that doesn't suit hotels, but, you know, it is something to bear in mind. So there is availability to be had. But again, if you're going to book last minute, there might not be availability and you probably will pay a little bit more. You mentioned 10,000 beds. Is that still the case? I know a number of hotels have um, opened their doors to refugees from um, Ukraine down there. Is it reducing the number of beds that are available to people who want to stay in? Kerry for the for the summer or whatever. Somewhat, a lot of the accommodation that has been taken by people fleeing the war in Ukraine, it's not all hotels. There's been, for example, there's a converted nightclub, there is a hostel, there's a lot of guest houses. Um, based on my knowledge, there's only two hotels in the Killarney area that will not be in use this summer, which is approximately off the top of my head around 250 rooms. Right. So in the overall scheme of things, I don't think it's going to have a huge effect, no. But as I say, you bear in mind, a lot of the people, they are staying in other types of accommodation that wasn't necessarily traditionally guest house or bed and breakfast accommodation. Are we back on track? COVID is behind us. Are we fighting fit in general now in hospitality? I know there's a shortage of staff, but are we, uh, are we, fighting, the, are we fighting a good fight? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, we're lucky. We have a great complement of uh, of staff in in where where I work. Um, I did have a staff member off sick with COVID last week. They're probably it does pop its head up from time to time, but hopefully we're in the right direction. Um, but I suppose it's still there. We still have the odd cancellation due to COVID. So it's still there, but we we we'll be optimistic and we'll say it's behind us. What is the secret to Killarney's success as a tourist destination? You know, I think a great thing about Killarney is competition. Um, you know, we uh, there's a lot of competition there, so we compete on price. And you can't just compete on price, you have to compete on standards. So, again, hotels are always, and guest houses, we're all looking at what each other are doing, and we're always trying to outdo each other in a very friendly way. As I say, we, we, we work well as an organization. Um, we help each other a lot, but it is very competitive. So I think good value, um, high standards, and, you know, and that's, that, that, that adds to a, an activity that there's always something happening. It adds to good restaurants, good bars around the town. Um, we are delighted to have a lot of Cork visitors all the time. So, um, so I think it's good value and, uh, and good standards. You'd be and lost, you'd be lost about the Cork Road, really, wouldn't you? <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I won't say that. <laughs> but uh, we do like you a little bit. All right. Listen, Tom, thanks for taking the call. Have a wonderful weekend. Continued success to everybody at Randall's Hotel in Killarney. And thank you for taking the call. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Good morning. As Tom Randall's of Randall's Hotel in Killarney. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
Lenehan. Book your team and join me, Donald Lenehan, for the very first IRFU Charitable Trust Munster Golf Outing on Friday, June 23rd at the Fort Island Championship Golf Course. This unique Munster Golf Outing will have special guests, great prizes, a charity raffle and auction, all in aid of seriously injured amateur rugby players. Visit IRFUCharitableTrust.com to book your team today. Proudly supported by Pinergy. That's energy with insight. And Cork's 96FM. It's Good Friday on Cork's 96FM. This is Paul Byrne. If you've just joined us, don't forget you can contact us, uh, text or WhatsApp to 083 396 or email opinion at 96FM.ie. Now, this Monday, Cove will welcome the first of 113 cruise liners to Cove uh, this year. It's going to be a spectacular site. I suppose it's an opportunity for us to see how the other half lives and to see what can be done and how, you, you, how you'd want to spend your time or retirement or maybe a family holiday on a cruise liner. We're heading down to the port of Cork to speak to Captain Connor Moles. Connor, good morning. Good morning, how are you? How are you doing? Listen, the first of 113 cruise liners heading back into Cove. What are we going to see this Monday, Connor? Well, the, the, the ship that we'll see this Monday is the, the Ambience, and she's one of the, the flagship for the Ambassador Cruise Line. Luxury ship, uh, beautiful um, uh, lines, and uh, about 1,800 passengers and 500 crew. So for us, it's a great start to the season, uh, which we are really excited about. How do you win a cruise line business to come to the port of Cork? Is it like, do these line cruise line companies open a map and say, we'll visit here, we'll vi- visit there? Or do you have to go out and search for this business? We have to go out and search for the business. And it's a real um, uh, group effort because it's not just the port of Cork to have to go out there. Obviously the port goes out, but everyone that's connected with this, whether it's the Cork County Council and City Council who put efforts in, the tourism um, authorities, the uh, local, the local uh, visitor attractions, and the the in very much the community in Cove, the welcoming the cruise lines. It makes a big difference, as well as Cork and the wider areas. But for the port of Cork, we put a huge amount of effort in terms of business development and marketing, travelling around the world to the main events, cruise cruise uh, line events, and literally selling. Cove, uh, selling Bantry, selling Cork, selling Ireland. And is there competition between yourselves and Waterford? Because I know a lot of cruise liners dock in in Waterford as well. There actually isn't. It's it's a really interesting model. Um, So the more cruise calls we get in any Irish port, it tends to be beneficial for us all. Mm -hmm. And and so so all the ports, including Belfast, we all work together um, under under the, the umbrella of an organisation called Cruise Ireland, which we're helping uh, the Port of Cork chairs and has chaired for the last few years as the lead destination port on the island. But um, we work together in partnership. And what tends to happen is that the cruise lines, once they get a taste for Irish ports, or indeed the British ports, they treat the UK and Ireland as a destination piece. So the more that comes to any port, the more the other ports benefit. But it, it, certainly Cork would be, uh, Cove uh, would be a, would be the flagship port at this end of the island. 113 cruise liners coming in uh, this year. How does that compare to previous years, Connor? Well, that 113 covers both uh, the port of Cork um, and Bantry in, in this year, but it's growing. So last year, um, 
in the wake of the really difficult two years we had with uh, COVID, we actually went, we were expecting probably 40, 50 cruise lines, but we actually managed to achieve 80. And this year it's gone up again. And next year is even more. So we've put a, we've really redoubled our efforts to, to bring in cruise lines. Um, as I said, a lot of um, focused effort and, and resources on business development. And we're seeing a real growth trajectory because Cove in particular, as well as Cork, is a really attractive place to bring mm-hmm. in cruise lines right into the heart of the heart of the town um, and it, it's a phenomenal place to come because if you look at where cruise lines go around the world a lot of them go into ports that are well away from cities well away from, uh, into industrial areas so we're really attractive and the history of of this part of the world and obviously the Lusitania the Titanic all the history of Cove makes a huge difference huge hugely interesting for the cruise lines to come here the sight of these cruise liners coming in, I mean, they're the size of football stadiums, really, aren't they? They're incredible beasts of things. Yeah, no, they are. They're 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 amazing, really. I mean, the ambience on Monday is big, but we've we've seen far bigger cruise lines come in. I mean, they're literally cities uh, afloat. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of the of Cork Harbour is we're we're a deep water harbour. And we can actually take the largest of the cruise lines, which again is another reason why they're so attract- we're so attractive to them. And the beauty of, of cruise is it's designed so that people can come and get a taste of uh, Cove, Cork, and that for one day, and then that encourages them to come back for a longer holiday. So that's what it's really about. It's about to give, give them a taste. And, 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 and from what you know, we'll say giving them that taste, what's the type of repeat business then? Oh, we get regular repeat business from from these um, passengers. Um, we, we, in terms of statistics, for example, when they come to Cork for their for their cruise trip, they tend to spend on, on average each passenger about eighty five euros uh, when they visit, and crew about thirty. And then what we're looking at is about thirty percent return spread uh, of these passengers for longer holidays in Ireland uh, over the over the period of their lives. So it's it's a it's a really good way to bring them in and give them a taste of what Ireland and Cork and Munster can give and then encourage them to come back. So even if they're only here for a couple of hours, each passenger will spend they'll drop about an average of eighty five euro, is it? eighty five euro and the crew about thirty. That's and that's so it, for for you know and for the economy of Ireland it's about it's about a hundred million, really, just just under a hundred million uh, for 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 the island of Ireland, and for Cork itself, you're talking in a region of about uh, fourteen million uh, in in this localised area. So it's a it's very very good in terms of their spend in the local community. Tell me before we leave you go, um, the ambience she's due in on Monday. What time, where, and how long will she be tied up in Cove? How long can we get to see her for? Well, she's due alongside at about 1,200 hours. Um, so she'll be along um, about, and then she'll be leaving uh, that evening um, about uh, 7 o'clock in the evening time. So she's here for the day. So 12 o'clock, but if people want to get down Quayside, up over the wall, looking down, 11 o'clock really is a good time to get in and see her coming in, tying up, is it? Yeah, you get it. If, you, if, the, if people want to come and see her, come, around, come down around 11, you'll get to see her come in, you get to see her turn come alongside. It's been an exciting time for, for, for everyone. What length is she? 
you caught me out. Sorry. I haven't got that. <laughs> it's, a, just, just a, it's a very, she's very long, Paul. She's a long one. She's very, she, she's very big. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, listen, Connor. thanks a million. And uh, honestly, continued success because I think the Port of Cork is a fantastic success story. You're going from strength to strength. And uh, people, I think, honestly, uh, you painted a great picture this morning of the value that the Port of Cork is worth to the city and beyond. So uh, thanks for taking the call. Captain Connor Mulls, Chief Commercial Officer at the Port of Cork. Enjoy your weekend, Connor. Thank you very much indeed. You're very kind. Thanks very thanks much for the opportunity to speak today. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. And I want to go to the Commodore Hotel. I'm booking in there for the night. John Gately, good morning. Morning, Paul. How are you? Are you uh, well? Great. Good, good. Thank you. Thanks. John, uh, the cruise liner season just around the corner. You must be excited and uh, rubbing your hands where you're, 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 you're looking forward to the, the tills jingling and jangling. Yeah, Paul, good season for everybody in Cove and the I think the first liners of the season kicked things off. And I think Connor Connor put everything in perspective there from the the value to the region and to the town and to the club in general. John, even though the, the liners are in for just a number of hours, I mean, do they stop off in the Commodore? Do they pop in for a pint, a cup of coffee, a sandwich into your own place and, and, and others around? Because I see them getting on buses and heading off to the likes of Blarney Woolen Mills. But do you get a spin-off? We do indeed. I mean, obviously, there's a limited amount that uh, uh, as most of the John, that 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 line is pretty bad. Can you put your head out the window there for a moment? We we might get a, a better. Can you just move around? Sorry, have you got me there? Yeah, that's a bit better. So yes, no, the value is there. I mean, there's a the, each passenger. We we run a, a a cultural show in association with uh, Angela Ryan for most of the liners and. 40 or 50 people in there for some Irish music, Irish dancing, etc. And, the, you know, there's a good spin off, but I mean, they're not going to come in for you. That line is uh, that line is atrocious. We might get back to John afterwards if we can. Are you, are you, is that any better? Just we'll give you one more go, John. I think better there. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. So you're you're offering a, a, a bit of entertainment, a welcome. The, the, the red carpet is out for the guests to the, for the yeah. Commodore. Yeah, we we operate the Cork Cultural Show in association with Angela Ryan, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it works very well. We've forty or fifty people in off most of the liners for uh, food, and beverage, and uh, some cultural uh, experiences. Um, I think overall, you know, the fact that the liner is visiting at all is a huge, uh, you know, it's a huge thing for for uh, Cork and for Cove itself. And uh, I think Connor mentioned as well, like it's. Uh, Ourselves and Sydney are the only two places in the world where they actually pull right up to the quayside uh, in the town and in the city itself. So and, that's, that's and, that. e- and even on Monday, all of the vi- people who will visit Cove, th- that will be a massive boost as well because I know there will be hundreds upon hundreds of people pop down to Cove on Friday. Everybody will benefit from that. They will. And, you know, we've people coming in, we've a roof garden up top of the hotel, you get a great view from there. Um, some of the liners, as you know, now it's a departure for some passengers that uh, will join the liner in Cove. Uh, a lot of them will stay in the hotel, stay with us. They have a, a front view room looking over where the, the liner comes in and they're joining it later on that day. So that must be a fantastic experience for them. Indeed, indeed. John, I know you've uh, done major changes to the Commodore Hotel. It's looking marvellous. Uh, how's business in general and how's the season looking? 
It's been great, Paul. Thanks. We just we're opening a new lift today, which has just been fitted. Um, so we're constantly uh, we've we've a two million euro expansion going on at the moment, and we're in the middle of that at the moment. So we'll take a break now for a bit of the summer, and then we'll restart things again in September, October, with some more bedrooms and some more refurbishments. A two million euro investment. I mean that that is a very a, a major boost of um, a vote of confidence, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, the Commodore, uh, you know, without overdoing it, but it is a unique uh, offer. It's a, a unique uh, hotel in the country. It's one of the first purpose-built hotels in the country, and we're just bringing it back to its former glory, uh, slowly but surely. All right, John Gately, uh, General Manager of the Commodore Hotel and Cove. Thank you very much indeed for taking the call. And John, by the way, your new lift. I have news for you. You're the first person to try it out. <laughs> Thanks very much. I give you. Thanks, Paul. There's a parachute attached. Good luck, John. Thanks very much indeed. <laughs> Line one. Um, we're talking with Bernie. Bernie has um, a little problem on her hands. Last Tuesday, she booked a family holiday to Benidorm through Love Holidays. She says they're flying out next Tuesday morning. The full amount of money was taken from her bank account, but no confirmation whatsoever. She's not getting any calls, or not getting answer to her calls or texts or emails. Does anybody have the same situation? Bernie, good morning. Uh, good morning, Paul. Are you in trouble? Uh, yes. Well, I can't book the uh, boarding passes because I don't have a reference. Um, I booked through um, Love Holidays last Tuesday and the tickets, the airline tickets are with Ryanair. The money was taken out immediately. I got no confirmation email and I did manage to get through to them on the phone the next day. But because I had no reference number, I had no reference number because I got no email. Uh, I got through that once and when I'd ring after that, um, a recorded message would come on and say, because you've already booked your holiday, we cannot uh, discuss this with you. Go to my bookings and then you need your reference number to go to my bookings. So I can't get to talk to anybody or I can't get anybody to answer a text message, an email, nothing. When was the last uh, time you actually spoke to somebody from there? I only spoke the once morning and it's almost as if they have my number then and they know, <laughs> that's what it feels like to me, that they know then it's me so they put this automatic thing on, you know. And tell me, I Bernie, have you, have you booked with them before? I have, and I didn't have a great experience. I'm sorry I didn't uh, learn from that, but I've learned now, you know. Uh, I checked with the hotel. We are booked into the hotel in Spain. Okay. Uh, I know that much. But the big problem now is uh, to get the uh, the um, a reference number for the plane tickets so that I can book us in. We're leaving on Tuesday morning. And, uh, you know, the long weekend and everything is getting a bit dicey. And who are you flying out with? We're flying out with Ryanair. I've tried a few numbers for them as well to see if they could help me, but um, I'm not having any luck with that either. And so, have yeah. you, where are you flying out from? Flying out from Cork. Cork to Alicante. I know this might sound crazy, but have you actually gone up to the airport, go over to the ticket desk? You know, That is my plan, in? yeah. That was my next plan now to do that today, that they may be able to help me there, you know? I'm sure they will because... So you, you, you have the, comp- the hotel said, yeah, you're booked in, yes, but you don't yeah. have your flight tickets. 
I don't have any confirmation, anything in writing from Love Holidays to say that I've even booked. Have you, met, any, have you met anybody in a similar situation that is booked through Love Holidays? Where are they based, uh, Bernie? Um, I know they have an office in Dublin, but I'm not quite sure, to be honest, Paul. Are they are they you know? an actual travel agent? Or, you know, I mean... Yeah, they book the lot. They book your flights and your hotel and your transfers, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But we have no information on any of that, you know. We don't know whether it's, it's right or wrong what they've booked, you know. We don't even know. Well, we do know that they've booked the hotel because I got onto the hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were very nice and they told me we are actually booked, you know. But my problem is the... Uh, is getting the reference number so that I can check in online, you know? Okay, so you have your bags packed, your toothbrush, and your passport is ready, but you got to I have the passport ready, but I haven't had time to pack the bags. This has been constant for the last two days, trying to get somebody, you know? So I can't even really enjoy looking forward to it. Bernie, try and get up to Cork Airport as soon as possible. That is my plan, They're they're wonderful people, the staff there, Roy, near on the the ticket desk. Honestly, I'm sure they'll see sense in trying to help you to get to to speak to somebody from from the company. Bernie, I wish you well, um, if there's anybody yeah. in a similar situation to Bernie, drop us a text at 083 396 That's 083 396 or email opinion at 96fm.ie. Bernie, fingers crossed, we'll all say in Ovina, uh-huh. you'll get there, and will you send us a, mo- Thank a postcard? You, Paul. I will do. Thank you, Paul. God bless. That's Bernie. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96FM. A good Friday on Quartz 96FM. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ. Now, um, earlier we spoke to Bernie, who's having a bit of a dilemma with her travel arrangements. Carolyn is on line one. Uh, Carolyn, you may have the solution to Bernie's problem. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, when she gets the email that she should have got with her booking confirmation, if she goes into the manage my booking um, in in the section, it'll bring her to another page. Um, on that page, there's a, it gives her all her itinerary. So if she goes to the, the flights, there's a little, like an aeroplane on the side of it. If right. you click on that... It'll actually bring you open to your flight dates or flight details. And there's a little button there that says check in with Ryanair. And you can check in with them. And it just brings you step by step. Then it shows you what step by step what you need to do. Is it complicated? It's not. It's very easy step by step. Um, It's just once you can can open an email, you can do it. (laughs) Now, you see, she hasn't got an email from the company with her flight times the hotel no it's not on it you see that's why you have to go into manage your booking all right okay. so when she goes into manage my booking it's actually it says your booking is now confirmed it will give her her reference number and down along to say it's actually highlighted manage my booking you just click on that and it opens it now i think the first time i opened it it actually will send you you have to enter your email address and your surname just so that they can confirm it's you okay 
Um, so they'd send you another email and then it opens straight away every time after that. And how do you know all this? Did you have problems in the past? No, no, it's just the way it always is. All right. I've okay. used them before and I've used them, my friends have used them and this is how you have to go in and you have to book your, go in and um, book yourself in. Yeah, I mean, but she she um, she did speak to somebody and they didn't give her that information though. But anyway, you, you're doing it for us, so we, we, <laughs> we thank you for that. No, um, where are you heading to this summer? Have you uh, Tenerife. Tenerife, very good. Yeah. And, you, and and what factor will you be using? Fifty. Fifty. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Listen, Carolyn. Thank you very much indeed, and enjoy your summer holiday. Thank you ta- for taking thank the you. call. You're Bye-bye. very good. And we had another call from Magella. Uh, she says, uh, "I booked with Love Holidays, and the same thing happened to me. Tell Bernie to check her emails and junk. She will get a code number. So, Bernie, if you're listening, check the email, check the junk, bung a junk, and you will get a code number." Says Magella. Thanks for that indeed. Now we spoke earlier on the program to um, we mentioned that we'd be speaking to this lady Ariana Dunn who had an incredible year last year travelling solo around Europe she's back in Ireland and she's decided to take on the 32 counties she'll be documenting her travels for Irish Country Magazine as well as the Sunday World this weekend she's arriving in Cork with her mum and she wants to know where to go and why remember now if you have got good advice where is a nice place to visit for herself and her mum nice places in Cork you know that we can, she can write about in the magazine and in the Sunday World. Ariana, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Have you arrived in this wonderful city as of ours yet? I haven't. I'm leaving Dublin shortly, so we'll be heading down there. Um, planning to hit the road at about twelve o'clock. It's a lovely sunny day here in Dublin, so I hope it's the same down there in Cork. So we should all be weary. Two Dublin women coming into the real capital. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I don't know Cork very well. I've only um, been there a handful of times. Um, my mum is from the west of Ireland, from Galway, so would have spent a lot of time kind of going back and forth there as a child. So um, both of us are a little um, unaware of where to go and what to do. So um, looking forward to hearing what advice your listeners might, uh, might um, have for us. What would you like to see? What, what interests do you have and your mum? Um, well, we are, um, we like a drink. <laughs> um, so a nice, somewhere to have a nice drink in the city tonight. We're staying in the Kingsley Hotel in the city this evening. So um, it would be nice to have somewhere and then just to have a little walk around the city tomorrow. Um, if there's anything in particular in terms of sites that we should see and maybe um, a spot of lunch before we hit the road down to uh, Fota Island. So we're heading there for the night as well. Um, and uh, I'm interested in some nice kind of scenic routes along the way, if there's anything nice to stop and take some um, nice pictures. Obviously, as you said, I'm, I'm writing some articles um, for Irish Country Magazine and for the Sunday World um, about my visit in Cork. So it would be nice to have some pictures uh, to, to showcase as well. And then I'm heading to Ross Carberry to uh, the Celtic Ross Hotel on Lovely. Sunday night um, and going to be doing spending a little bit of time around Clonakilty as well. So Neil Neil Grant in the Celtic Ross will roll out that red carpet for you. He, he's a gentleman. You'll, you'll have a <laughs> wonderful time there. And you're, really, you're not slumming it, girl. You're in the Kingsley and the, the Photo Island. Are you paying for this yeah. yourself? <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> well, luckily enough, because I do write articles for the magazines and for the newspaper, I'm sort of being invited down by some of these hotels to to check them out and kind of give them a bit of a review and uh, see yeah. see how they are, you know. Um, but uh, I'm like as as I spoke uh, uh, earlier in the year to Gareth about my my travel around Europe last year um, and uh, you know spending uh, the whole year traveling around eleven different countries. I'm excited now to to spend a, a lot more time. I'm traveling around Ireland, so I've already done um, County Derry, County Armagh, County Kerry, um, Cork. I'm going to be doing Kilkenny in a couple of weeks' time, um, and then hopefully maybe do a, a boat on the Shannon, get a few counties in there, and uh, and and throughout the rest of the year, like basically just figure out my plan of trying to fulfil this quest of one night in every county if I can do it. And a lot of that I'll be paying for myself. It won't all be it won't all be on the magazine. So yeah, we we mentioned at the top of the program earlier this morning that you'd be on and um, we asked listeners to come in and give us some suggestions where you should visit with your mum. One of the places uh, not far from us here is Nell's Wine Bar on McCurtain Street. Oh, it's just won a prize for the best wine bar. Uh, Anna was on with, uh, with that. And we can give you these as well afterwards. Now, another person says, Paul, Ariana should take a trip to ring the Shandon bells and then oh. afterwards pop into Jack Ford's pub for a nice pint. It's a great family pub. All right. Oh, fabulous. I presume well, you've heard Nell's, of the Shandon Nell's wine, wine bar. Yeah, Nell's wine bar and you can stagger okay. all the way up then Shandon Street and ring oh, the gorgeous. bells. Oh, gorgeous. You know, have you? Uh, Ring presume, the bells. I, I haven't heard of that. No. But have you not heard of Shandon bells? No, I haven't. I haven't. My goodness, you have to make it. <laughs> honestly, that has got to be one of the places for you to go to. Okay. okay. And as I said, we'll give Brilliant. you these afterwards. Uh, Dave has been on. Dave says the Marina Market will leave you spoiled for choice for a great food, <gasps> small independent producers, and it's dog friendly as well. All right. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah, because I travelled with my dog Molly last year, so I'm really trying to find some more dog-friendly places as well. He's not coming on this trip, but I love walking around a market and looking at um, craft producers and things like that. We have the Irish Made Awards coming up in Irish Country Magazine, which we're launching next week, um, where we celebrate Irish craft makers and things like that as well. So that sounds fabulous. Marina Market, thank you. And it is one of the biggest success stories here in recent years. It's a marvellous place. They're... People are just, it's like a magnet at the moment for families down there. It's, it's, it's an incredible place. Um, Arena nee, or Ariana needs to head to West Cork. A pint in Bush's Bar in Baltimore. Another pint in Hackett's in Skull. Lovely weather down there most of the time as well, says John. Mm. I think I'll have to plan another trip. I think down there uh, to to West Cork because it's Cork is so vast. I don't think I can do it all. Um, obviously in three days, so I'll have to plan another trip uh, and spend a good a good bit of time down in West Cork. I absolutely love it down there. So that sounds fantastic for the for 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 the next few weeks or the next few months. If you come across somewhere that you're not too keen on, do you write do you write that as well, or is it all? Uh, positive, positive, positive. Um, no, I mean certainly. If there are, I mean, you know, I'm very conscious um, of my responsibility as a journalist and making sure that uh, the readers are given the the proper information that the readers aren't duped in any way. Um, so if there is a bad experience, um, certainly it 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 is it is mentioned in in some capacity, or certainly it, it is fed back to the establishment as well, and maybe. Um, maybe something you know, something else will be written about, you know, as opposed to it being promoted. 
So um, it's never something that if there's a bad experience, we would ignore it and then write something good. That would never happen. You have been in Cork a few times. I know your visits were short and brief, but what... um what could I say? What, what, how would you best describe Cork? What, 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 how did it hit you? Um, oh my goodness. I, I, so the people are obviously, I think for me, the highlight of Cork, they're uh, such a, a lovely people, absolutely adore um, the, the wonderful Cork accent and the lovely um, stories and welcoming hospitality that the Cork people have. But um, the last time I was there, I stayed in the River Lee, um, which was uh, a River Lee Hotel. So it was beautiful views over over the, the river. Um, and yeah, the nightlife was, was fantastic as well. So uh, keen to see more of it this weekend. Do you like the uh, do you like the water? We do, yeah. Do. I love the water. All right, just yeah. hold on the line there. I want to bring in Deborah from Cork Harbour Commissioners. Deborah, good morning. Hi, Paul. It's Cork Harbour Boat Hire here. I, How are you? I beg your pardon, De- Deborah from Cork Boat Hire. Um, Deborah, on the line there, we have Ariana. Say good morning to one another. Hi, good Ariana. morning, Deborah. Hello, how are, how are you? you? Happy Easter weekend. <laughs> you too, you De- too. Deborah, what have you got on offer for Ariana? How are you going to um, showcase what we've got for herself, for, for her mum and you, or for her, herself well, and her mother? Well, we're based in Cove, and I think it would be fabulous for her mum and herself to come out on one of our self-drive boats to get to oh, see wow. Cove from the water. The, um, I know she'll be blown away by the views. And Cove is going to be a hub of activity this weekend. So what better way to go and see it than from the water? So we'd love love if you'd come out with us. Oh, fantastic, Deborah! Thank you so much. That's a wonderful offer. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, my mum will be delighted. We do love a boat trip. Uh, So yeah, I'll I'll definitely get in touch and and, and figure out a, a way that we can kind of fit that into the weekend. Absolutely. Thank you. Do, no problem, because Cove is very close to Photo Island Hotel Resort where you're going to be staying, so... Amazing. That's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we could could be something that we could do tomorrow then on our way. That would be lovely. No problem. Just get in contact. We'll look after you. Thank okay. you, Deborah. Thanks, we'll, Deborah. Thanks so much. Thank you very much no indeed, problem. Deborah. We'll put you uh, in touch later with one another. That's Deborah okay. from Cork Harbour Boat Hire, and uh, she'll be taking Ariana and her mum on a self-drive boat trip around Cove. Yeah. Some other calls oh, in gosh. here, uh, Ariana. Another says uh, Anna says, "Ring the Shandon bells as a bonus. You get a beautiful view of Cork as well. Check out the oh, local wow. produce in the English market. I've been all over the world, mm. and you just can't match it." Says Emma. The history you mm. get in Elizabeth Fort is pretty much the history of Cork. It's a great entertaining place to start. It's also a place where you learn all about Cork and Ireland, says Peter. And the Cork, which uh, which, uh, Deborah was just on, the Cork Harbour Cruise is a great way as well to pass 75 minutes and the captain is so knowledgeable and such a character. Blarney Woolen Mills is also another wonderful place to visit, Anna, Mm. Ariana. You you, you need it. Mm. It's honestly, you'll be, Mm. how long are you here for? We're just we're here there till till Monday, so for the whole of the Easter weekend. Um, but I will have to come down again. I know Blarney is a, is is one of our clients in the magazine, and um, Helen there has invited me down um, uh, to visit several times, and I I have to try and arrange a trip to go down there and check out the. I've never I have you can't kiss the Blarney Stone anymore, so you can't. Well, you can. I've never. Uh, you can. I you didn't can. know if you were allowed to anymore. Maybe it was just with COVID you weren't <laughs> allowed to. Um, but uh, I haven't had any trouble with the gift of the gab anyway. But uh, yeah. 
yeah, might might, might have to to do that at some point as well. <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna have a great time, honestly. And you have so you're landing today. You, you could you could be out here tonight at six o'clock. You'll get a and you know the weather is on your side. The evenings are a little bit uh, yes. brighter than before now, and um, the weather is good. So thank God. I, I hope it stays that way for you for the weekend. Listen, Ariana, yeah, have a brilliant. wonderful trip to Cork. Lovely to talk thank to you. Thank you. And um, thank you so much, and to you, and have a lovely. Um, have I hope all you and all the listeners um, in the radio there have a, a fabulous Easter weekend. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to having a wonderful weekend in Cork. And thanks so much to all of your listeners for their fabulous recommendations. Thank Not you. at all. And we'll put you in touch with all of the people who've been on and uh, suggestions and everything like that. And listen, tell your mother, behave herself Excellent. now tonight, won't you? <laughs> oh, I will. You'll spot us in Nell's wine bar, no doubt. <laughs> having, having a few glasses. So, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks a million. Have a lovely weekend. You too. That's Ariana Dunn, who's writing for the Irish Country Magazine as well as the Sunday World. And she'll be uh, documenting her visit to Cork this weekend. And no doubt she'll be spoiled for choice that she'll have to come back and do it all over again. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages and we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork's 96 FM. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So from the high seas of Cove to someone who's demented from the lack of sleep. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. This lady writes to say my four and six year olds keep coming into our bed at different times of the night. It only started in the last few months. But the problem is I'm a light sleeper. And once I'm awake, I'm wide awake. Please, can any of your listeners help me to 
help me to get the kids to stay in their own beds. Now, I love having the kids in bed, she says, but the lack of sleep is killing me. I also work full time and I need my rest. Help, says a frazzled mummy. Well, we might just have the solution to that. Lucy Wolf from Sleep Expert, uh, sleepmatters.ie. Lucy Wolf, good morning. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? Lucy, is the lack of sleep a major problem for everyone? It, it is. It can be. Yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, some people sleep incredibly well. Parents of young children are notoriously known to be frazzled, like this person has written in to say. And, you know, it is a problem and it affects every aspect of your life when you're not getting enough sleep, whether you have children or not. How can it affect your life? What, what you know, your moods in particular? Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I would say pretty much everything is impacted by not getting enough sleep. So your mood, your behaviour, your concentration, your motivation, your appetite, you know, and I guess that has a big impact. And again, when children themselves aren't getting enough sleep, they in turn sometimes are maybe not their best selves either. And as a result, you know, they might be dealing with irritable, you know, more irritable than normal, maybe hard to, you know, less compliant and things like that. So I guess it's difficult. And as a result of that, first of all, we want to acknowledge that it's hard and to hear how difficult it is for our parents who are struggling, like the frazzled parent who's been in contact with you, and to also acknowledge that this is very typical as well, and young children go through lots of different stages of development, as well as their development of sleep that has an impact on how they experience it. We hear that uh, everybody should get eight hours sleep a night, and then we hear <laughs> of others who said, oh, an hour will do me and I'm flying. Does it yeah. depend on the human, him or herself? Yeah, I guess generally speaking, the we aim for somewhere between seven to nine hours for adults, with, of course, some people needing a little bit more and some people needing a little bit less. Neuroscientist Matt Walker, he's kind of like a leading researcher in sleep. He encourages everyone to commit to at least seven hours. So that sort of means maybe doing the backward math based on what time you need to get up at for optimum health and well-being. But acknowledging there is going to be variability and the same as for children because young children have a higher sleep need than adults. And as their sleep becomes organised in this first six-month period of life, their overnight sleep need ends up being somewhere between 10 and a half to 12 hours and that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't without awakening, but that it's it's organised in that way and that we aim for those sort of totals. Uh, and again, embracing the individuality that may exist. Lucy, people who come to you and let's say uh, children and adults, since the, the growth of the mobile phones, do you find that you're dealing with more and more people who are uh, having difficulties in getting to sleep? Because like nine out of ten, I reckon, are glued to their mobile phone while they're in bed. Yeah, the technology piece is um, a big part of one of the modern challenges that we experience. Now, I work with parents of young children. So again, what they may be reporting is... Um, you know, use of use of screen to help relax a child or distract a child. And these things, I think they're quite normal and natural and we embed them into our everyday lives within a range of what feels right for us as a parent. And of course, then we model as the adult the use of the, you know, the mobile phone or electronic media. Generally speaking, I'm realistic because, look, I'm a parent of four children too and we've done a number of different things in our own household as our children have grown. And um, I would be recommending 
maybe using, you know, on stopping the use of, you know, technology, you know, an hour or two before bedtime. And we with the same is re- recommended for adults, but it, that can be hard to do. So you're trying to find your own level with it. Obviously, we have more ways of managing, you know, the way we untie from tech with a young child because we can have those boundaries in place. But again, we do need to model it. And especially as our children get older and we're dealing with our adolescents, that we perhaps are maybe putting down our mobile phones or, you know, having a, you know, a guidance that we don't have tech in the bedroom after a certain time and things like that. So look at everything. It's just trying to find your way in that feels right. But also that doesn't, if we take away technology, for example, we must replace it with something mm-hmm. so that we look, if we're looking at turning off the TV by a certain time in advance of bedtime, then maybe we look at engaging in one-to-one time. And this, this is where we begin to create, you know, really lovely bedtime routines that then can begin to be extended as your child gets older. What are the what are the long-term dangers for someone who goes without sleep on a regular basis? Yeah, and I guess I suppose I don't ever really want to be, you know, talking about dangers, but we know that sleep's important because it supervises such a wide variety of biological maintenance jobs. So let's say long term, there are suggestions that not enough sleep leaves people vulnerable to certain illnesses and disease. And of course, in the short term, it can have a big impact on your mood, mental health, emotional health. So again, it is about trying to encourage people to prioritize their sleep. so a bit like you said earlier, you know, oh, I'm grand. I only get an hour of sleep or four hours sleep and I do fine. But I wonder if we look at the sliding doors scenario of that. So just kind of understand that sleep is important. Consider the third pillar of health just as important as, your, you know, your, your fitness regime and your diet. So, again, if we just start to think of sleep in that context it, and then make it you know, a priority within the family culture. If you're not getting your seven or eight hours a night, is a cat nap like in the evening time or the afternoon, does that make up for lost time, for lost Well, ground. you see, what, the suggestion is that lost sleep is sleep gone forever. However, of course, we can look at, you know, catching up with a two-phase sleep. For example, if you have, you know, if you're doing shift work, then sometimes that's suggested. However, you have to proceed with caution. So, for example, if you take a nap and then you find it really difficult to get to sleep at bedtime or you're reporting disturbed sleep overnight, then it's possible that one phase of sleep is better for you. But again, if the two phases work, so, so it's about trying to find out that individual piece. And of course, young children, they do need naps and their nap need takes them up to about three years of age in general and again lots of times parents feel that if they cut daytime sleep they might improve nighttime sleep and that generally isn't the you know what happens because they're they're both needed until the young child is able to start to sleep on in one phase like we do is if mom and dad are bad sleepers would it mean that uh, little Tommy and little Mary will be bad sleepers? Is it a hereditary condition? Sometimes there is this kind of suggestion that it's like a genetic inheritance of, let's say, not needing enough sleep or not getting enough sleep or having really disturbed sleep. But generally what might be the case is that those are the kind of, con- you know, the conditions or the habits that are formed within the household. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they get transferred. I would be of the opinion that everybody can be helped to, you know, initiate, achieve and maintain their sleep in better ways. 
But again, the more informed, educated and committed we become uh, to it, then instead of just saying, oh, it's just the way it is. Um, of course, there are some children, for example, let's say that might be inclined to wake early and they're genetically predisposed to that based on their chronotype. The same way we have, you know, late owls and larks in terms of a chronotype as we get older. But I generally tend not to rest on the premise that we've inherited this and in work towards. There's so many things that we can do to improve our sleep. And sometimes they're really simple things like having a regularity to your day, exposure to bright and natural light, eating and drinking at regular intervals, getting, you know, making sure that we do commit to outside activity and fresh air because that has a big impact on regulating sleeping patterns. And then having a, have a as well as having this regular wake time, that we have this corresponding regular bedtime too. And within that, we develop routines of care, like, you know, like, like children really benefit from bedtime routines. And we know that by having bedtime routines and earlier bedtimes, we generally see longer um, sleep uh, tendencies in the overnight period. But the same is true for adults, that if we have a regularity to our sleep and if we program our brain and our bodies to relax, you know, and if we also prioritize our sleep environment, that we can continue to move the needle and um, enjoy the benefits of better, more restful sleep. Who gets the most sleep, men or women, or who struggles most? Is there a, a breakdown? Um, I, I don't know that um, to be true. I don't know that for if I'm honest with you, but what I would perhaps suggest it's possible that maybe women, if we were going to look at studies because of this, the, you know, the huge hormonal inf- uh, influence there and also the maternal care um, that it isn't unusual that maybe some of that or more of that falls to the woman. But again, I don't know that for sure. Caller in here says, I'm a mum and my daughter is in leaving cert at the moment. She's suffering badly from sleep deprivation. This is because she's having huge problems getting to sleep. Once asleep, she stays asleep and it's getting to sleep is the problem. She has tried all the apps. She has tried all the phones or she has tried no phones, no TV after a certain time at night. What can she do? I know it's so difficult. And again, you know, leaving search is a huge year and there's a lot of stress and anxiety related to that. And we know that 40% of a lot of sleep challenges can be attributed to kind of stress and anxiety. So again, whilst I can hear that there's a prioritization of the sleep of, you know, trying to create those sleep hygiene pieces that we've been talking about, sleep's still elusive because perhaps there's a underlying stress and anxiety here because of the leaving search and all that that brings. Sometimes the bedroom, especially if we're using the bedroom to both study and sleep in it's there's not a big enough distinction so you know coming out of the bedroom maybe using you know studying in a different mm-hmm. space so that the bedroom is assigned to sleep itself specifically uh, going to bed only when you're tired maybe having a kind of bedtime routine that happens outside of the bed where you you know change into your sleep where you're really just trying to show the brain and the body um, that there is a difference between awake and alert to you know trans- transitioning to sleep I'd be trying to embed in this you know some gentle stretching exercises, you know, you could look exploring mindfulness exercises too, because it's about trying to learn to switch off as well, because I'm imagining that maybe there's a racing of the mind going on, which just creates this big tension between, you know, once you get into bed, the concern about not getting to sleep in of itself becomes one of the reasons why we are not able to sleep. So you often hear, you know, about breathing exercises and body scans that just kind of help make that transition. Lucy, finally and briefly, where did your interest in sleeping uh, 
um, habits come from? Well, interesting. Yes, exactly. A sleep-deprived parent. <laughs> I was once a frazzled parent too, so that initiated my interest um, 21 years ago now. My oldest is going to be 21 and um, I've been in practice for over 12 years now working with families in that capacity because I just became interested, obsessed, if you like, and retraining and education in order to help and support parents in the way that I really felt I needed to be. Could you not just tell them to give the kids a lash of Calpol? <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we are gone so far beyond that. Uh, but often, you know, you'll, you'll do anything. But again, just looking at, you know, the things that really help of and the course. things that hinder, you All know. right. Lucy, lovely talking to you. And if people want to get in touch with you, it's www.sleepmatters.ie. And you're based in Cork, Lucy. I am indeed. What part? I'm in Douglas. All right, okay. So that's www.sleepmatters.ie, Lucy Wolf, uh, sleep expert. Lucy, thank you very much indeed for talking to us and uh, enjoy a good night's sleep. Thank you so much. All the best. God bless. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Yeah, we're running, we're running. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now. Do it now. With Cork's 96FM. Good Friday on Cork's 96FM and this is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ. Now, we're talking to Vanessa following our conversation with Lucy Wolf, who was uh, who's a sleep expert. Vanessa, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm good. Did you get a good night's sleep last evening? I did. I really did. And how did baby Ushin sleep? He slept like a rock. Um, Ushin usually sleeps from about seven, half seven at night, right through until half five, six. That's quite a considerable amount of time. Some parents would be absolutely thrilled to be in your place. But Ushin is sleeping with you. Yes, he's nine months old. Um, we have co-slept, well, bed shared um, since pretty much since he was born. Uh, I did, obviously, I was in hospital for a week and when I brought him home, I put him into a Moses basket um, and what I was finding was he was kind of jumping out of his sleep. Now, that's normal because uh, th- there's a thing called the Moro reflex. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they're falling, but he was doing that all the time. Um, every 15, 20 minutes. So he was waking himself up and waking himself up. Um, I continued on with it. Uh, He was getting more and more anxious, more and more upset. And eventually I just said, you know what? I have to weigh up the benefits. I have to weigh up the cons, uh, risk the idea of SIDS Mm -hmm. and just take him into the bed with me. Some people will say that you're now on a road to hell because this is where Oshin will spend the rest of his life in bed with mum. I, I don't see it that way. I mean, how many people had their children in the bed? Like, if you look at anywhere beyond the Western world, um, co-sleeping and bed sharing is something that happens regularly and you don't see them sleeping with mum at 10, 11, 12 years old uh, or 30, 40 years old, you know. That that doesn't happen. And it's the same, it's the same argument that says, you know, um, holding your baby too much is spoiling them, they'll uh, ruin them. It doesn't. It actually makes them feel more secure. He sleeps better. Uh, now, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, by the way. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just what works for us. And when Ushin is in bed with you, or in bed with your husband, does he get a better sleep with you or with the hubby? Um, well, we all share the bed. It's a, it's a large bed. Um, but he, he sleeps fine with either of us. Mm-hmm. But as long as he's, as there's someone in the bed with him. And when um, he was he in the cot, he was waking every 15 or 20 minutes. What way would he be then the next day? Oh, he was an absolute nightmare. God love him. I love my son, but he was so upset. He was so anxious. He would make strange. And I tried, just to, just to put people's mind at ease, I tried the cot. I tried the Moses basket. I tried the next to me cot. Uh, a lot of different things and it just didn't make a difference. He was still having that reflex. He wanted to be next to someone because one of the things that he likes to do is put his hand on my chest or put his head on my chest so he can hear my heartbeat. Um, And that's just a natural thing, especially for young babies. They do like to be close Mm -hmm. to a caregiver, feel the warmth and feel the heartbeat and hear the heartbeat. Um, And so for us, it just works. Had you ever considered, when he was in the, the cot and irritable, had you ever considered taking him to um, to see somebody who may see if he's, you know, anything wrong, you know, that, you know, stomach aches or anything like that, colic? He did not have colic. Um, it was just the, the fact that he felt insecure in the cots. Um, that, it was that simple. I took him to uh, a sleep expert in, in Dublin um, I spoke to my own GP. I spoke to the uh, pediatric specialist in the Coombe, um, and they all said the same thing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with him. He's a normal baby, um, and and that's fine. That is absolutely fine. But on the nights where he would sleep, uh, co-sleep, or he would um, bed share, because there is a difference. Um, when he would bed share, first of all, flat mattress, firm mattress. The blanket, it was a light blanket and it would be wrapped around his waist. Um, it would never go higher than his waist. There was no pillows around him as what this uh, specialist, if you are going to do it, that's what they recommend. And is Ushin um, your firstborn? He is. He is. And is there any history of um, bad sleeping patterns in the family? For me, yeah. I've, I've had insomnia since I was about eight or nine. Right. So that that last um, message that you read out, I can completely understand. Um, and I went again, I went to speech, uh, sleep specialist and I found that it was getting to sleep. It wasn't sleeping. Um, so for me, I found resting was more important than sleep. I'd sleep between three and five hours, mm-hmm. uh, but resting because a lot of the time the compulsion is to kind of tw- toss and turn and twist and try to get yourself more comfortable. I learned meditation techniques. Uh, and just rested my body and spent the time trying to relax the muscles, keep my eyes closed and just rest the body. Uh, And eventually the mind followed. And when you had sleeping problems yourself, like your mind was racing, was there anything on your mind um, that would have kept you awake? No, not particularly. Not particularly. Sometimes it was just the lights of the day or the, the, um, the goings of the day. Sometimes I literally didn't have anything. Um, again, the, the meditation helped to clear the mind, mm. but that still didn't switch off the brain. I do um, suffer at times, you know, not able to get to sleep. And I, I, I switch on um, the, the phone. There might be an app where I'm listening to thunder and lightning, rain, owls hooting, sounds from the jungle. ASMR, and it, does, yeah. it, it does help you to switch off. Sometimes. 
sometimes, again, it depends on what state of mind you're in. Um, I have bipolar disorder, so sometimes it's just the fact of being that my moods, I'm not able to regulate my moods and therefore I'm not able to regulate my sleep. Mm-hmm. So, And Oshin, a happy little bunny at the moment. Oh, unbelievably so. And I mean, what's great about Oshin at the moment is he's he's actually trying to walk before he can crawl. Um, but you put him in the hands of anyone and the big smiles come. He's trying to jump. He's trying to uh, get a hold of people. He wants to engage. Now, I'm not saying that's because of uh, co-sleeping. It's because he's resting. He's getting a full night's sleep. And he sleeps about two hours then during the day for one of the naps. Um, I don't know if you can hear him. He's squealing in the background uh, playing with his toys. And do you catch up with sleep then yourself during those two hours as well? Um, I don't need to because I'll sleep soundly. I'm a a light sleeper. So um, if he does have an issue, uh, you regulate your brain. So if he does have an issue, you wake up. If he's crying, you wake up. Nine times out of ten, if he does stir, it's because he wants a soother. Um, But... Yeah, I get a good night's sleep. Um, What they don't tell you about having a child, by the way. Yes, it's exhausting. It is physically demanding. It's exhausting. It's the emotional strain Mm -hmm. that actually makes you uh, so exhausted. And the anxiety of being a parent, of things going wrong, that you know is not going to go wrong, but it's the emotional drain that actually wears you out. Tell me about it. I do know of somebody who um, suffered from lack of sleep shortly after birth, uh, after they gave birth, and they beat a sweeping brush across their husband's back. <laughs> Poor husband. I, I can yeah, understand. To be honest with you, I, I, it took me a while to recover from that beating. Yeah. <laughs> Being quite honest with you. Well, you see, I, I sleep more securely because I know he's getting a good night's sleep too. Yes, I understand. Um, now, when the time comes, I do every so often I put him into the cot. Um, I will encourage him to sleep independently. Uh, sometimes he does and he wakes up about four o'clock wanting to be hel- or wanting to be close and he'll go back to sleep until about seven o'clock. Um, but he will still wake up three times in the night if I put him in the cot. I know for myself... He will tell me when he's ready to sleep independently and I will encourage it as much as I can. But I'm not going to sacrifice his good night's sleep for my peace, if you know, or for independence. Um, I want him to be a secure, confident child. And if that means that feeling comforted and feeling secure uh, next to me makes him that more, bit more confident and makes him feel that more secure then I'm going to do it. Again, it, it comes back to the idea that you cannot spoil a child with time. You can't spoil them by holding them in your arms. It just doesn't happen. They decide then when they're ready to be independent. I will encourage it as much as I can. All right. Vanessa, listen, thank you so much indeed for talking to us. It's been my fascinating. Pleasure, and my um, Continued good night's sleep with you and Ushing and, and, and yeah. Hobie. Thanks a million. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great Easter. Bye, guys. That's Vanessa who is talking to us about uh, Ushing, her little baby who she sleeps with. Now, I just want to go downtown for a moment and um, talk to a well-known busker, singer and songwriter, Dylan Berkeley. Dylan, good morning. 
How are you, Paul? Dylan, good morning. How are you doing? Dylan, you're well known around town for your busking and your singing and songwriting. Um, there's quite a bit of tension downtown at the moment because Cork City Council want to bring in busking bylaws. Uh, some people want to see the back of it. Or some people describe busking as noise. You totally disagree. <laughs> So, um, first of all, Paul, my my name is Dylan Brickley. You got you got it wrong. Brickley, before, I beg your pardon, Dylan. Um, no matter. Um, but yeah, I I hear about the busking laws trying to come in now, and I've heard about it in the past as well. Um, to be honest, I I don't have I not disagreeing with much. To be honest, um, if it comes in, you know, I I'm sure a lot of the busker every every busker that does it is gonna obey the laws, you know. So, um, I just think um. Busking has been great for me in the last few years. You know, it's uh, really opened a lot of doors and I've met some amazing people and um, it's got my music out there and I've got a song coming out now next week and only for people that I met through Busking asking who, who's the song boy and all this, I wouldn't have recorded it. So it's it's helped me in a lot of ways. I think Busking adds a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere to a city or a town, whatever the case would be. Sometimes, however, there yeah. are some chancers down there, aren't there? Well, to be honest, um, like all all of my friends that do it, like they're they're out there trying, like myself, we're trying to get we're trying to get to the bigger picture. We're trying to get onto the, to the next stage, like um, even Cork's own Keen Ducrow, Dorma Kennedy, like Keen used to boss with us a couple mm-hmm. of years back, and now he's supporting Ed Sheeran. So we're out there trying to get our original music out there and trying to get onto the bigger stage. But um, so yeah. It's but do you, do, do you believe that, would you agree there are some beauties out there, like complete wasters, chancers? I haven't, I haven't met many in Cork, okay. to be honest, that can't play. To be honest, I think there's a good, I think there's a good, um, like there's very good musicians in Cork. And like I, I've travelled around Europe, you no know, playing in like a, a few cities, all right, you come across people, you know, they might be able to play a guitar or st- like mm-hmm. bluffers, but like I think Cork... Ireland showcases a lot of great talent on the streets. I just, I, we're, I'm so sorry, we're very, very caught for time, Dylan, but I would just want to ask you two very quick questions and, and be tight. If you can, um, because we're more or less in a cashless society, has your uh, take uh, reduced dramatically? To be honest, um, I'm doing another job at the moment. Like I'm, I'm doing block lane, like construction. So I'm out there for the love of it. Okay. And music is my hobby. So when I, when I have some spare time, like on this Saturday, I'll be out there, and it's to get my original music out. And my song is coming out next week. It's called Close to You. And and um, tell me this: you, so where will you be performing now on Saturday in town? Um, I'll be performing outside Brown Thomas. That's where I usually go. And what time will you take up your place there? I'll probably come in at about eleven or twelve. All right. Listen, I'm so sorry we're caught for time. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to leave you go and we're going to give you a quick blast of your song Close to You, which I'm sure everybody will hear as well over the weekend. Dylan, thanks for talking to us and uh, best of luck with your music career. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 0833 996 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96 FM. This is Quartz 96 FM and Paul Byrne in for PJ today, and we're into the final hour. You know, we're just two days away from Easter Sunday. Chocoholics all excited and raring to go and to rip into the Easter eggs. I want to talk to a man who's no stranger to Easter eggs. I want to go out to Ballancolic. Good morning, Willy Wonka. <laughs> good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm very good. This is actually Ian Kerrigan. He's from Luso um, Artisan Bakery in Ballincolic. Ian, I had the pleasure of meeting yourself and Carol uh, the other morning. A wonderful experience, a chocoholic's dream working in there. H- how are things going? Very good, no, very good. Uh, very busy at the moment, thank God. All these the bodies are running around like mad, getting all the final orders ready. So you're, everyone's you're, in good spirits. Your Easter eggs, are the, you, you've the personalised handmade Easter eggs. Tell us a little bit about what goes into it. Yeah, so I suppose all of our products that we do, whether it be Easter eggs, whether it's cakes or anything else, everything we do is by hand. Everything, everything is freshly made. So all our Easter eggs, our bunnies and all of our chocolate, especially for Easter at this time, everything is handmade, hand-turned with uh, fine Belgian chocolate. And we, I suppose what sets us aside from everyone else is we offer personalization. So you can have your child or your husband or your wife's name or your friend or anyone at all. And you can write a message on uh, the majority of our products that we sell. And it just adds that little touch that everybody loves, especially kids seeing their name on a large Easter egg is always a popular choice at Easter. Ian, are chocolates, are Easter eggs, are they as popular as ever? To be fair, they're they're very popular. I suppose chocolate something that never goes out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but no, to be fair, they're actually very popular this year. Now uh, we're a bit worried because the last years have been up and down in regards to chocolate sales and Easter eggs and everything else. But this year, it's very strong. Thank God. Well, tell me a little bit about how did you get into making uh, Easter eggs? Um, it was actually my wife started it. My my wife Carol, she had. Um, she started Luso as a small business out of our house with our with our family and with the help of our family starting off the business and she was doing cakes and she was doing um, private catering and she started making a bit of chocolate on the side and it just kind of grew from there to we're out in Ballincollig now in a production unit and we're going through a good few tonne now at the moment alone this week. I, I just was just going to ask eggs. you that. How many tons of chocolate would you go through at Easter time in particular? Oh, I suppose I, it's, I'd say we're up a bit this year now, but anywhere between six and eight, nine tons. Jeez. At, at this time of year. And does the cho- we see the Easter egg in the packaging afterwards and they look magnificent, but do, do, do the ch- does the chocolate come in blocks? Like, is it in a box or what when it arrives? It, it comes in callets. So we. We buy directly from a company that supplies Belgian chocolate. We get it in callets, and then we have to put it through a process called tempering. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives it a, the glossy sheen and the snap when you eat into it. But it also stops it melting in your hands. So we'd, we'd fill the mold, we'd temper the chocolate, 
we'd fill the mould, we'd turn it, we'd then have to do multiple steps like basing the egg in more chocolate, then writing the name and decorating it with even more chocolate, and then ha- hand wrapping it. How long would it take from start to finish to make the average Easter egg? The, the, aver- the average Easter egg, you, you could be looking at a couple of hours between all the steps because you there's time and everything. Chocolate has to be treated right, you can't rush it. So you would be looking at a couple of hours in total in between all the steps and processes because you have to leave it dry and set in between and then to be able to write it and package it so it doesn't smear or it doesn't smudge. So and there's a lot s- of work goes into them. And when you say your your eggs are handmade, I mean, we'll say some of the eggs that you might find on the shelf in the supermarket, is everything in that like on a factory production line really as opposed to your own? Of course. So with a larger facility... The, for a good Easter egg, when you fill a mould, it's not just a case of putting in the chocolate and leaving it set. You have to continuously turn it to be able to get a nice, even distribution inside. Mm-hmm. And with larger factories, they'd have mass manufacturing lines. They'd have um, what you call spinners, so it automatically spins it for you. But uh, as you saw the other day here, we'd fill an egg, and for 10 or 15 minutes, we'd continuously turn that by hand. Uh, before we put it into a fridge to set and release it from the mould. So everything is very physical and manual in regards to making them. Uh, and you were telling me as well the other night, Carol was up until 10 o'clock or something, like putting bows and bunnies on the eggs and everything. It, it is that personal touch. Everything is hand done by hand. Of course, yeah. It's like even down to the bows that go onto the packaging. Carol actually makes... <laughs> I'm no good at making them, so Carol actually makes them as well by hand. We believe, I suppose, when you're up against the likes of the supermarkets and that, we're a completely different product. And the one thing that sets us apart is the personalised touch, but it's also the work and effort that goes into it. And I think, more importantly, when you're taking money, hard-earned money off people these days, it's important they feel like they got a superior product at the end of it. And I know you you see the supermarkets doing, you know... um, three for the price of two and whatever like that but um, you know they can buy in bulk but being the small operator your, your, your costs and what have you like that but uh, shopping local for this and supporting people like yourself in Luso is so important isn't it? Unbelievably unbelievably and I think Covid taught us that more than anything is that when you're, supply, when you're supporting a local business and whether it's chocolate whether it's desserts whether it's salads no matter whether it's a butcher, when you're so when you're supporting a local business, you're supporting not only the owners of that business, but you're supporting the staff, the mm-hmm. family around them, and the suppliers that we use, where we use local as possible, when we can. And it's highly important that all of that has a knock-on effect. That if we went out of business in the morning, it's not just the seven or eight of us that are working here that would be without a job. It's also the suppliers that we were given the business to, and so on and so forth. So. Supporting local is huge. Tell me, let's go back to the eggs. Um, you yourself know genuinely on Easter Sunday, will you enjoy a couple of eggs? I might partake in a little bit with a cup of tea, but we're generally sick of it by that time. <laughs> <laughs> we're, generally, we're generally full of chocolate and full of everything else by the time we get to Easter Sunday, which is more relaxing with a, small, with a small bit of chocolate and a cup of tea. If you're there day after day making chocolate Easter eggs or cakes and what have you, What's, give me an idea of how many bars of chocolate you might eat in a year. 
Very little. You'd be quite you'd be quite surprised, I suppose, number one. Myself and Carol bring nothing home from here. Right. Because it's a temptation that we'd have. So if it's in the house we'd eat it. So we'd actually eat very little here because you when you start you'd pick and you would put up weight straight away because you're mm-hmm. picking at loads of different lovely ingredients. But you kind of wear out of that and we end up having a wrap or a sandwich for our lunch and try to not pick where we can throughout the day. What um, What's the average cost of an Easter egg now this year from yourselves in Luso? Well, we range anywhere from, for the for the eggs themselves, we range anywhere from 550 up to 20 euros. Mm-hmm. And that 20 euros is a fine, large 10-inch egg with about 550, 600 grams in it. Wow. And we have multiple choices in between, and we have bunnies as well. We've something to suit all budgets. Very good. And I know you're you're supplying um, the retail outlets, but people actually do call to you then and and purchase just one or two eggs as well, don't they? Of course, yeah. No, we we actually have a small shop set up at the front of our unit, mm-hmm. and like today, now we're here till five o'clock today, and tomorrow we're here. I think it's about nine to two o'clock is what we're saying, and people are free to come in. Look at the shelves. Look at what we have. The only we can personalise products the majority of the time when people are here if they're willing to wait or call back. So we can actually do that service up until tomorrow, but it would all depend on availability and what's left on the shelves as well. And do you expect to be uh, sold out by this time tomorrow? Or will um, on Hopefully. Saturday? Yeah, or tomorrow is oh, Saturday. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. Anyway, very good. Um, uh, ho- hopefully, we will be sold out. To be fair, we get great support around this area, and the locals keep coming back to us. So we can't we can't complain in that regard. All right. Well, look, Willy Wonka, Ian Kerrigan in Luso <laughs> in the um, Ballincollig Enterprise Business Park, and anybody who wants to get their hands on some homemade, personalised Easter eggs, uh, Ian and um, Carol are out there and give them a call. Do you want to give your number? Uh, yeah, 087-938-4305. And they can check out your Luso Facebook page as well. All right. Ian, thank you very much indeed for talking to us and enjoy your weekend. That's uh, Ian Kerrigan there talking to us from Luso in Ballincollig and Willy Wonka from Ballincollig. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. It's a Monday game time. It's celebrities and anything to do with food. Hello, Adrian's one here. Kevin Double Bacon Cheeseburger. Yeah. Brad Pitterbread. Good. Uh, Goujon de Paul. Goujon de Paul. <laughs> Stephen Fryup. Yeah. John Cleese and Onion Pie. <laughs> The nail in the coffin that says I've beaten Cork in the Punday game. Three in Gokwan. <laughs> yes! Take them on, my friend. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from Noel DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Cork's 96 and this is Paul Byrne in for PJ Coogan today. Now, just a moment ago, we were talking to Ian at Luso and Ballincollig. Staying with Easter eggs, Elkie O'Mahony runs Bia Sosta, and she also writes for the Cork Independent. And you make homemade Easter eggs. Elkie, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm good, and yourself? Not too bad at all, not too bad at all. What's on the menu in Elkie O'Mahony's house today? 
Okay, so I'm not making chocolates this year simply because I was too busy with work. But normally I give chocolates as a present for Easter. So I'm I'm too lazy to go out and buy stuff, so I make it at home. <laughs> There's a lot more work in it though, isn't there? It is, but I like it, you see. So I like it. I started a couple of years ago because I wanted to know how to make them. So I always like it when you go to the English market as a chocolate shop, for example, how, the, how beautiful the chocolates look in the, on the display. And I always hate the packaging that you get with supermarkets. Easter eggs, you know, I mean, obviously Lusso is an amazing company and their eggs are just outstanding, you know, but I wanted to make them for my friends and, and I agree with Ian that personalized Easter eggs are just so much nicer and I always put little surprises in the eggs as well, kind of thing, yeah. So give us a couple of tips um, to make an Easter egg. First of all, you need the mold because, you know, but they are easy to come by. If you go online, you find loads of them. Unfortunately, um, uh, Brennan's is gone in Oliver Plunkett Street. They had loads of molds, but there's still Delia's Kitchen in, in Carrie's Lane, so you might find some there. Um, and then you need chocolate, obviously. So there are different ways of doing it. So you can buy, of course, the big, expensive uh, uh, chocolate that people like Luso use. Um, but to be honest, that you kind of will counteract the fact because the smaller you buy, the more money you buy. Uh, pay for it but I always went to of all places Aldi <laughs> mm-hmm. because Aldi actually has good chocolate and when you buy chocolate you need to look at the cocoa mass percentage of the chocolate so if you buy for example chocolate flavoured bars there is no chocolate in there it's palm oil with a bit of cocoa powder in it it's no chocolate and it tastes horrible but if you look, for example, to the the more the darker chocolate is, the less sugar is in there, and the lighter it is, the more sugar is in there. So you need to see how sweet you want the chocolate as well. And you can also mix. So I, for example, sometimes mix dark chocolate with milk chocolate to make it kind of semi semi dark. And then you just have to melt it. And the beauty of these ready-made chocolate bars is you don't have to temper the chocolate anymore because it's already tempered. You see, so you can just melt it, and it has still a nice shine to it. Can I ask you, what about mm-hmm. people who might have a dieting problems or a medical problems, like diabetes or anything like that? Do you, can you help them in any shape or form? Um, to, as I said, the darker the chocolate, the less sugar is in there. Okay. So if, if you get, for example, 80% chocolate, you might only have uh, a couple of grams of sugar in there. So always look at the label of the chocolate that you buy, you know. Um, the thing is, obviously, the darker the chocolate, the more expensive it normally is because they put more cocoa in it. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's more expensive. White chocolate is pure cocoa butter, for example. You know, there's so um, just uh, and, and lots of sugar. So it's it's a mix of of um, but uh, cocoa uh, um, cocoa butter and sugar. That's why white chocolate is so terribly sweet. Uh, so the darker the chocolate, the better. Um, and it's also kind of you can just make it thinner. So I'm not a medical expert, so I really can't I know, say. I, know, I just I know. know from from I, the sugar content, the, the darker the better. And you yourself, um, Elke, do you prefer white or dark chocolate? I don't eat chocolate. What? <laughs> I don't like chocolate. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't have a sweet tooth. So if you bring me a bag of potatoes or a bag of chocolates, I always go for the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I just like making it. I just like uh, preparing them and put it. And then I have little, little cases. And I was little, just going to say, you must, you must taste it at some stage. Oh, I do. I do taste it, obviously. Yeah, because especially when I do the fillings, for example. So when I do chocolate. So the Easter eggs there, what I normally do is I have uh, different types of molds. So I make them. And as uh, Ian already explained, you know, you have to swirl the chocolate around in mm-hmm. the mold to get an even coating. Then you pour it out. 
And if it's too thin, you do a second coating and so on. But what I do then is I make chocolate truffles, for example, and I put them in the egg before I close the eggs, you know, so, and then it's nice. And the chocolate truffle, I need to taste simply because uh, you don't want it to be overly sweet. You don't want it to be overly sour, whatever you put in. And if you want to make very easy truffles, which is really the nicest thing, uh, and people love it, and I still make it, it's kind of a bit of cheating, but mm-hmm. is I mix melted chocolate with uh, a bit of cream and Nutella. Nutella? Nutella. And it gives you a nice, and then, and uh, uh, sometimes when I do them big enough, I put a little hazelnut in the middle of it as well. And yeah, and then you just, I mold my chocolates. So I have molds for, for truffles as well, but you can also just simply roll them in little bowls and dip them in chocolate again and let, set them to, to set in the fridge or outside if it's not too warm. And you have truffles. Can I ask you briefly before we go, um, yeah. where, if somebody wants to try and dabble and do a little bit of um, chocolate making, where can mm-hmm. they get the molds in Cork? Um, and I said, try, as I said, I got most of mine actually, um, actually uh, every March, I think it is, there is a Sugarcraft Fair in the Redison. Mm-hmm. And I got mine mostly there. Uh, but try Delia's Kitchen in, in Carey's Lane. She has them, uh, some of them anyway. But um, then you want to have chocolates in a larger volume, go to Clover Hill. Um, I don't know if they have a shop, but they do online sales. Okay. All yeah, right. so that's where I get mine. All right, Elke O'Mahony, who makes Easter eggs, won't be eating Easter eggs this year. <laughs> Thank you so much for, enjoy- for joining Thanks us, Elke. Thank Good you. Morning. Bye, Good bye, morning. Bye, bye. Uh, some calls and comments in relation to co- topics and conversations. Uh, more ideas for Ariana to visit. Uh, Cove is a spot to go. Trains and buses every half hour. Great history, fantastic views, so much to see, and all within walking distance. Cathedral, spike, museums, it's a must, says Jimmy. Ariana should go to Yall Beach and walk the boardwalk and have a lovely dinner in Clancy's afterwards looking out at the beach. The anglers have great food great location, Leaside and it's dog friendly too says Vince Spike Island and Cove says Caroline it's a must. A comment from one listener in relation to accommodation can you ask the hotelier how any hotel can justify 800 euro for a night in a hotel without breakfast that's from Niamh. Uh, Anne has been on to say I just came back from Dublin city centre, stayed in the Maldron Parnell Place Hotel on Wednesday, a family room Two plus one, 164 euro. Great value, says Anne. On the subject of uh, call-outs and the fire brigade, I know a guy, this man says, who had a fire on the way to Grenna in his car and about 10 fire units turned up. They came from Mallow and the city and as well as other places. This adds to the bill, I think, he says. Why do they dispatch so many units? Who decides that? And are the retainers coming out? Will they be paid? Surely someone in control can see that it's way too many fire engines to send for a car fire. There's just some of the calls and comments in relation to some of the topics we were discussing earlier. Now, as we were talking about Easter eggs, of course, that is the dessert, we suppose, on Sunday. Prior to um, the Easter eggs, we'll all sit down, hopefully, and enjoy Sunday lunch. And I want to go down to the Metropole Hotel just around the corner here from us on McCurtain Street. Dylan Lonergan is the sous chef there at the Metropole Hotel. Dylan, good morning. Hi, how are you doing? How are you doing? Dylan, Easter time, spring lamb. Is that what's on the menu? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I have a couple of ideas. There's one you could do for lunch and there's also one you could do maybe later on in the evening for dinner. What's uh, for lunch? And they both come from uh, braised lamb shoulder, 
which you basically just cook in vegetables and a stock. You've cooked it for six to eight hours and a liquid. Um, you can then take it out. You shred it. So it's almost like a, a pulled pork. And then you can serve that in a nice brioche bun with a shredded slaw made from parsnip. Um, served with cut and beef tomato. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely for lunchtime, so it's not so... It's not such a formal thing. We not too heavy and either. Eat the dinner. Yeah, yeah. And dinner, um, and dinner then? With the lamb then, you can also roll it once it's shredded. And you can make um, your own rendition on a, a beef wellington. So you could shred the lamb. You could put it into a puff pastry and serve it with a bit of mash, veg, and a little bit of mushroom on the side. It goes beautiful with it. What's the um, spring lamb like this year? Oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're using all local suppliers at Metropole and some of the meats we get off them are top quality. Why is lamb associated with Easter? Is it the springtime? Just so simple as that, is it? Yeah, I think it's just more of a seasonal thing, really. And would you be a man as a chef? Um, do you have to have the uh, the mince sauce with the lamb? Uh, no, I personally, I don't like it with the lamb. A lot of people do. I think it's more an old school kind of thing. And do you like lamb yourself in general? Oh yeah, definitely love it. Absolutely love it. What What else would you suggest if if people you know aren't into the lamb? I I love lamb, but others are suggesting here around us that some people are going for turkey at Easter time. Yeah, that seems to be growing more popular. I think it's that's an Irish thing where when it comes to the big occasion kind of thing like that, it's just turkey is always kind of in the mind really. But it's a very dry meat, isn't it? Yeah, personally, I stick with the lamb in here every year. And price-wise, this time of year, the, the the lamb, the spring lamb, are we paying a little bit more than usual? Yeah, more than usual as we are with everything else. But that's what kind of why I went for the shoulder. The shoulder is slightly cheaper cost, but when you cook it right, it can be just as tasty, if not better. What about um, you know the the average cooking time now for a shoulder of lamb? Um, you'd be looking to do at least six hours because it's slowly cooked um, it can be a tough cut if you don't cook, cook it slowly so you kind of need to braise it for six to eight hours I suppose so then it's melting your mouth kind of and we'll say for Agnes like you have a couple of hundred shoulders of lamb in, in the hotel over the weekend like are they all cooked on Sunday morning or late Saturday night into the early hours of the morning What what are you up all at, at all hours um, no, it will be, there'll be, it'll be marinated the night before into your big dishes and all that kind of stuff with all the seasonings. And then the chefs in the morning will come in, pop it in the oven so it's nice and fresh then for the evening and the lunch for the dinner services. Dylan, would you ever explain to me, I, I love lamb and I look at people eating a steak and I always think the steaks look gorgeous, but I can't taste um, a steak. Uh, funnily enough, the next day, if there's a bit of steak left over and it's after been cooked, I'll um, eat, I might eat it cold, take a, a slice of it, and I enjoy it. But people then say to me, ah, oh, the night before, you have to have a bit of mushroom sauce, you have to have garlic butter. I think that defeats the purpose that you... You, you want to taste the meat. Yeah, definitely. Um, with steak, it's it speaks for itself. Once the steak is seasoned correctly and just cooked, it's, just, it's able to stand on its own. Even just with like a bowl of chips on the side, you could eat yeah. it just, just alone. Depending on the temperature you get it cooked. If you get it well done, then uh, <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose for me. 
and, uh, and am I weird in saying that the next day that I, I can get a taste, a, be- a better taste when it's cold than when it's cooked uh, on, on the, you know, served up to you hot? I, j- I just don't taste it. Um, no, I think, look, for me, it needs to be cooked and eaten because that's how you keep it at the right temperature. And it's again, again, you, 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 you're, you're along with me. You, you know, don't necessarily have to have the garlic butter or the, the mushroom sauce. The meat should speak for itself, as it were. Yeah, it should. The high quality in the beef should just speak for itself. All right. Uh, many booked in for dinner and uh, our lunch and dinner over the weekend. Uh, the Metropole's quite busy. Yeah, we're very busy. We have a special, we've only launched a new menu for the spring. Um, and we have a special menu for Easter Sunday as well. So it's we're taking bookings in now for quick and fast for all of that. Very good. How long are you uh, cooking up a storm, Dylan? Um, close to a decade, almost 10 years now. Very good, very good. And they say chefs are rarer than hen's teeth in this day and age and that you're on huge money. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that. <laughs> Aaron Mansworth said he's going to look after you. There's a big, big bonus anyway for the weekend for you. All right. Brilliant. He's a good man. He looks after us all. All right. Listen, um, quickly, we, anything about desserts? You know, what would you, what's on your menu and dessert-wise or what would you recommend for, to, to follow the lamb? Um, well, at home, see, I have uh, a big family of younger brothers and sisters. So I kind of go for, like, it's a chocolate shell, which is very simple to make. Like, there's many chocolate airs in the city. You can go in and pick up some of their lovely chocolates. You can just melt it down into a nice silicone mould, uh, chill it, and then you can put whatever you like into the bowl for the kids, if it's mini eggs, marshmallows, all that kind of stuff. Sit the dome on top, serve it with a nice little bit of warm chocolate sauce. You pour it over and melt it open. It opens up the whole dessert and the kids love it. Very good. All right. You're spoiled for choice. Um, fantastic. I look forward to uh, enjoying a steak from your uh, menu one of these days without the garlic sauce, without the garlic mushrooms, whatever the case would be. We'll, we'll try it. Listen, Absolutely. have a good weekend. Dylan Lonigan, that's uh, sous chef at the Metropole Hotel. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at Cork City and a quick mention for all the gang in Honey Browns in Ballincolly. Good morning to Charlie May, who's having her hair done there this morning. Now, Saoirse O'Shaughnessy has done so much for this wonderful city of ours. Saoirse, good morning. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? I'm brilliant, thank you for asking. How are you, Paul? I'm not too bad. I can't believe I'm talking to Miss World Cork, May of 2022. <laughs> What has it been like, Saoirse, Miss, Cor- Miss World Cork? It's been an absolute dream, to be honest with you. It's just been mad. I can't believe the year is over. It just flew so fast. I wish I could just be Miss Cork forever, to be honest. <laughs> what have you enjoyed most about it? Um, I think the support and the positive uh, feedback that I've got from everyone and um, the opportunities that have come from it, all the experiences and just the events and the friendships definitely as well. Massive, massive friendships made. This is not a beauty pageant. There's a lot more to Miss Cork than beauty, really, isn't there? 
Yeah, I was a bit intimidated, to be honest with you, when the pageant word was mentioned at the start. But it honestly was just such an, an amazing environment and it was so positive. And all the girls were just all fresh out of lockdown and we all just wanted to jump out of our comfort zone and try something different. And yeah, it was just it's a, a brilliant experience. So tell me about Saoirse O'Shaughnessy from Coachford. Before you became Miss World, Miss Cork, talk, talk to me about you before all that. Well, I work in the CUH as a care assistant in the emergency department. Mm-hmm. Um, I have plans to go on and be a paramedic someday, hopefully. And um, I've worked as a care assistant for four years. Um, I worked through the pandemic as well, which was a bit intense. But yeah, I was just genuinely just so normal, just, you know, trying to balance a social life and being in your 20s and everything. And then I just said I'd go for this random one day. My parents pushed me and I'm so glad they did. And what have you, what did you do? What what did that reign entitle you to do? Or what were you, um, what did you have to do attending functions and what have you like representing our city? Yeah, I was attending functions. I was getting um, invited to certain events and stuff and raising awareness for certain things that were close to my heart. Um, I'm very passionate about uh, promoting first aid. I don't think enough people know about first aid and CPR. Um, I volunteer as a first responder in Dunamore. With Dunamore first responders, we... Um, just raise money um, in a local raffle actually to get a new defibrillator for um, our volunteers which is going to save loads of lives in Dunmore which is amazing um, and yeah just promoting things like mental health I spoke to PJ on my very first interview about mental health and how important it is um, darkness into light is coming up in a few days and just to spread positivity and just you know to tell everyone just that when you're given a platform for young women that it's important to spread positivity and um, support other people because you don't know what other people are going through. And the mental health side of things, is there a history there? Is there something, is that close to your heart? Very close to my heart, but I think like there isn't one person listening today that hasn't been affected in some way um, by mental health. And, you know, it's such a broad topic and it's such a touchy subject that nobody wants to talk about it, but it should be talked about more. And a there's problem a, there's a the stigma, problem really, Saoirse, isn't there? If you say, I think so. Like, if you say, oh, I'm down in the dumps, and people would say, ah, shut up and get up and get up off your arse, really, isn't there? Yeah, I think there's, like, especially I feel with men, there's a certain persona that you're supposed to just get on with it and that men can't show emotion. And, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's not true, like, do you know what I mean? And everyone has a hard time sometime or another. And if you just reach out to a friend or a family member um, or a helpline or even A&E, you know, like coming in and speaking to a doctor or psychiatrist, like honestly might save a life. So it should be spoken about more in a positive way. It shouldn't be something to be ashamed of. Reach out, speak out, grab that lifeline. Absolutely. I said it to PJ on my first interview. I said that we survived every day, every bad day we've ever had. Um, So if you think about every bad day you've ever had or a day that you thought that you were struggling, you know, you survived that day and you're here now and there'll be more bad days ahead and you'll survive them as well. You also mentioned there a while ago um, CPR and you're part of the crew for Dunamore First Responders. I I have done so much stuff with um, community groups in first responders in relation to news on on Virgin Media News and I I, I know all about this chain of survival now and how important the defib is and the the community first responders. Uh, Should it become part of the curriculum? Should it be as important as history and geography? 
So honestly, as the first week or two that I became Miss Cork, it was probably one of my main goals to try and get it on the school systems that I feel like even not even mental health, but just CPR, first aid, all that, like, you know, like dealing with things when you leave school, like going into the world rather than, you know, other subjects that you wouldn't really use and you wouldn't carry on, like, you know, how to manage finances and how to struggle in your 20s and leaving school, you know, because it's all such a system when you go to college. It's like the real world and it's very intimidating. And I think CPR is so, so important in first aid and everyone should be taught it. It should be mandatory in workplaces, in schools, at events. Do you know what I mean? It should just be known. And, you know, you, you made it part of your campaign. Did you contact the Minister for Education? How did you, what, how far did you go with it? Um, I promoted ice cards there. Um, you know, the ice that you have yeah. on your phone for in case of emergency, if a family member falls or something. It's basically like a bank card size and it's got your ID, your medical condition and your next of kin's phone number. It's called irishicecards.ie. It's on um, a website on Google and it's also on Instagram and you can get it for a family member that has dementia if they've run away from home you can put it in their wallet you can have it on your car keys you can have it on your seatbelt if you're epileptic or anything mm-hmm. like that and you're in an accident I just think it's just so important and like if every single person knew first aid or if every one in two people knew it how many lives would be saved you know what I mean it was it's just because the health system is under such pressure and you're seeing it I'm seeing it every single day the queues in A&E and how hard my co-workers are working and the ambulance service especially you know if that if that pressure was even just taken off them a little bit it would be amazing and for families not to panic that they'd actually know what to do in an emergency they wouldn't be waiting on a doctor you mentioned the health service there and everybody will probably, we all say it's, it's, it's under pressure, it's buckling at the, the seams. What needs to be done, Saoirse? How can we improve our health service? You're in there's there, you're so on the cold many face things. of it. There's, there's so many things and, you know, to be given, like, to, be, to say just one thing to fix it is not, is not, like, even fair because there's so many different aspects and I just think that I see. I don't even know how to say it without saying the wrong thing because everyone is doing their best. I think that everyone. Okay, is okay. Let, let, really let's be honest. Okay, it starts at the top. Is the minister for health doing a good job? Uh, does he get a, a does he get a bad rap? Do you know what? I actually I actually can't say for yes or no because I'm seeing it on the inside in Amy. I'm seeing people on trolleys. I'm seeing the amount of people that are coming in and people that are really sick and they need beds and all the health system is working as hard as they can. I can't speak about the Minister for Health because I don't know him. I'm not educated enough to know about what he does in his job. I'm sure he's doing a great job. I'm sure there's more that can be done from any aspect. Do you know what I mean? But I just think more support need is needed, more beds are needed. And I think that the healthcare workers from the very top to the bottom, do you know what I mean? I need do. I do. all of the applause because to come straight out of a pandemic and to go through PTSD and to lose families and to lose patients and then to just go straight back into the swing of things and act normal is a credit to all of them involved. All right. Listen, finally, when do you hang up your sash? Uh, tomorrow, I hang it up tomorrow, which is very sad, but um, I'm very grateful and I'm excited for the next chapter and what this platform will bring for me in the future. And I'm really looking forward to see who gets the crown. They're all an amazing bunch of girls. Um, and Zoe and David Kelleher have done a fantastic job in mentoring them and preparing them for tomorrow.
All right. Saoirse O'Shaughnessy, Miss World Cork, May 2022. You're hanging up your sash tomorrow night. Thank you so much for being such a wonderful ambassador. Enjoy the rest of your uh, weekend and um, continued success in your career. I know you're going to go places. Thank you, Saoirse. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Good morning. That's Saoirse O'Shaughnessy who hangs up the sash tomorrow night. Now, uh, in charities, raising funds is one of the most difficult jobs because there are so many different organisations out there with cap in hand and organising so many different events. Uh, it, it just becomes more and more difficult every year. One is up against the other and there's all these different types of events. One man since 2019 uh, or since 2009 has managed so far with the support of others to raise believe it or believe it not 900,000 euro for various charities over the years. Mark Fanta O'Sullivan, good morning. Morning Paul, how are you doing? I'm good and yourself? I'm great, I'm absolutely great. Come here, there's great credit due to you and everybody that works with you organising this various events. I know you're the man behind Cork's Got Talent. 900 grand, it hasn't been easy to raise that kind of money over the years. No, it hasn't, Paul, but I suppose, look, the, the community out there, the people of Cork and people of everywhere, the support I get is um, incredible. And um, only for them, I couldn't do it, I suppose. And I suppose when I do an event, or somebody asks me to do something, um, I give it 100% and the people get behind me. So it's incredible support and only for them, I, I suppose I couldn't do it. So I have to, the people have to be thanked, the people who support me always and all the businesses. Now, your next big gig is on May 27th at the Middleton Radisson Hotel. What's happening? Yeah, look, it's gone huge. Cost got talent. We had, um, 90, we had an audition day and we had over 97 acts came through the door and four judges picked 13 acts and on May the 27th in the Radisson Hotel in Little Island uh, the final will be on and uh, where the winner will receive 700 euro cash and 400 euro cash for second uh, 200 for third and 100 for fourth so they have an incredible job the four judges Pat Mulcahy Orla Farmer um, David Dotstoven and Jamie Stanton are four fabulous judges uh, will have the task of um, picking a winner. It's, um, it's gone huge. It's a huge, huge event. But the biggest winner of the night will be Down Syndrome Cork because every cent goes to them. And I have two co-hosts there, Mike Clifford and Edward Stack. They're like Anton Deck. They're starting to take over. I can sit back a bit. They're incredible two lads. And I suppose, look, they, they arrive by limousine. They, they, they get the red carpet treatment. And it's, it's a crazy night. And, um, you know, there's a huge, huge raffle on the night and there's a load of um, goodies um, going in the door free. And um, look, it's an incredible night. Tickets are still on sale for €20. And you're aiming out there, uh, really, to, to try and raise an extra hundred grand to bring it to the total of, of €1 million. Euro. How close or how difficult is it going to be to, to top it? Yeah, look, it'll be very tough. It, 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 there's a long year there. I've um, I, I've two more other events to do this year. What people have got onto me, there um, young kids who are sick, and the government um, can help them. So I've another big one in July and another one in November. So look, I do crazy stuff, and when I start doing crazy stuff, the money pours in. So hopefully before Christmas, I'll have the million um, for all different kind of charities. Um, I suppose this one, the Cross Got Talent for Down Syndrome Cork, it's um, it's the advertising to get there. They're incredible um, people, incredible kids. But it's a fierce family night. But it, the talent we have in Cock Paul is 
Ah, oh, look, it's frightening. It's frightening. You're known as the million dollar man. <laughs> ah, Paul, I wouldn't say that. Look, um, everybody knows me as Fanta. Um, I do a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of crazy stuff, I suppose, down through the years to, to raise money for, for sick kids. But um, but this one is this one has gone huge. Cross got talent and... Um, you know, there's an awful lot of work goes into, but at the end of the day, it's um, we're ready now with the Radisson. Um, it's it's incredible up there, and um, it's going to be an unbelievable night. Um, what, what and do hopefully, do, what down do you take, What do you take from it yourself, um, Mark? Ah, look, when you go up to when you go, when this whole show is over and a week pass and you have and you have the money counted and you go up to Down Syndrome Cork and you go up to the Field of Dreams and you hand over a check, a big check to them, and you see what they're doing up there and you see the kids, you go in that gate and you think you're a, a film star. You know they 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 they're so mad about about me and um, Lord, they have so much talent and it's, you know it, it, Paul you wouldn't believe it. There's, some of them can't even get into secondary school. You know after primary school it's so tough on them. And but they're incredible. They come to the show. They sit down. I bring them up on stage throughout the show. And uh, look, they're fabulous, fabulous kids. They're a great organisation, Down Syndrome Cork, and I'm delighted that they're going to be the real winners of this talent show. I guess we must see the ability, see beyond the disability. Correct, now you said it, Paul. All right, OK. Well, look, you're doing a great... can I just thank everybody out there because... um, Look, only for them, I can't do. I couldn't raise this money. Everybody needs Cork, all the businesses, and you know, you know, like the, there's huge prize money in this, and I got it in in a space of two days. No matter what I do, uh, the people are incredible out there. And um, look, but Down Syndrome Cork will be the winners of this one um, in May 27th in the Radisson Hotel. All right. Mark, a pleasure talking to you. I'm an admirer of your work over the last number of years. You do an incredible work. And uh, it, honestly, €900,000 in the last couple of years you've raised, that is not to be sneezed at. And uh, I know that you and others who are working closely with you want to make it the million. And I'm sure you'll do that in no time at all. Mark O'Sullivan, best of luck and thanks for taking the call. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Not at all. That's Marcus Sullivan, better known as Phantom. They're organising that gig, of course, uh, the final of Cork's Got Talent at the, the Radisson Hotel on May 27th. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.